Hello, my friends. This is the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. And that's Not Just Blowing Smoke. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of Not Just Blowing Smoke. Coming at you live from studio headquarters in Hooksit, New Hampshire. Be sure to subscribe to us right here on Facebook or YouTube if you are watching us live. If you're listening to us after the fact, then on Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, Google, (gasps) basically wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome everybody, I am Pastor Padron and I am here with my co-hosts, Paul and... You're Pat, right? Pat <laughs> and Dave, uh, my producer. Everyone's still tonight. And tonight we have some friends from the 603 Brewery yes. with us on the show. We have Dan and Doug and PJ here with us, and they'll be explaining a little bit later uh, who exactly they are and what they do and everything. But thank you guys so much for being with us on the show. Happy to be here. This is Thanks awesome. For having us. Yeah, this is you. the most people we have ever had on the panel at any one time we had to redo the setup again everyone's probably wondering why do they keep changing well you, you just gotta adapt it's growing you know let's just throw curveballs at you you know a couple hours before it happens i'm not surprised with beer guys that i get curveballs but um tonight we're doing something a little bit different normally we come onto the show with a cigar and a, a drink which is a spirit or a cocktail already planned out um, maybe we've had it with the cigar. No, it's going to be great. Maybe it's a first time thing, but that's usually the pairing is usually set tonight. We're doing something different with, uh, the 603 guys. We told them what cigar we're having, which is the Perdomo reserve 10th anniversary sun grown Churchill, which is a, uh, Nicaraguan, uh, sun grown wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. It's a seven by 54 box pressed uh soft box pressed uh churchill um pat wanted me to remark how different this was than the churchill we had last week with um akil from regis which was a traditional cuban seven by 47 and you know then you get into the americanized version which is significantly fatter Mm. i don't have a problem with that i'm a little fatter (laughs) I can do a fatter cigar. <laughs> All right. So what we're going to do tonight is they've brought a bunch of different beers that they obviously yeah. brew themselves. And we are going to try several different beers with the cigar, talk about pairing, and talk about what works, what doesn't, and we're going to decide which pairing ended up being the best. And I'm really pumped about that. Yeah. I've been looking forward to this show for like a month. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, uh, you wanted to skip over the like three episodes. We did. <laughs> like, even, even Paul could tell you, even last week's, which, which turned out to be a fantastic show. Yeah. Uh, one of our best discussions I think we've ever had on with, with Akil. But when we were ramping up to it, I'm like, 
You know, I could just skip over this and go right to the 603 episode. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm really, yeah. I'm really excited about it. So um, as we're lighting up the cigar and everything, and you know, why don't we talk about the beers that you have brought to pair with this cigar? And then after we kind of start that off, we can introduce you guys and who you are to 603 and all that. Sound good? Great. Sounds Perfect. Great. All right. And just one thing. we uh, Before, when we just started the podcast, I was not whiskey or bourbon person at all. Like, all I drank was beer. And then they corrupted me. So when I heard we were doing this, I was like, yeah! we like never world, do right? beer on the way. Back to the roots. Back to the roots. Back to the roots. <laughs> Well, we, we've been excited about this, too, and we actually kept pushing you guys off uh, until we had one of these particular beers ready, because this is uh, it's a style that we only produce once a year. Mm-hmm. We release it on Black Friday every year. So, My birthday. Um, this is, this is, so this is why we wanted to push it off to make sure that uh, you guys could try this one in particular. It's also Wait. the fact that it's Thanksgiving week, I think, was also a great time yeah. to have this yeah. particular show. Perfect. You can you tell know. the bottles are kind of still in production. Still so fresh. The so, other ones haven't been waxed yet. Yeah, so those haven't been waxed. But that's, that's oh, wow, that's how yeah, new they're, 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 they're that, that new. Yeah. <laughs> that's how fresh they are. So they're, they're literally <laughs> getting wax dipped since uh, last week, and then today, tomorrow, Wednesday, it'll, it'll bring us right up till we release it on, on Black Friday. Wow. That's crazy. That's awesome. Talk about fresh. There you go. Yeah. All right, so who wants to talk about the, the different beers we're doing with the cigar? PJ, um, you want to talk about coffee cake? I'll sure. take barley wine. Doug, you can take the mitts. So coffee cake porter is a beer that we've done, uh, I think this is the fifth year for it, fourth or fifth year. It's a 7.2% uh, coffee porter, nice notes of cinnamon, caramel, uh, a little vanilla in there, and obviously the coffee. Um, it's always a big, big hit uh, with, with, our, with our customers this time of year uh, as Something that you know with the cigar, it's it was the best cigar beer we've had up until when we started the Mitts project, and it's obviously with coffee cake porter, it's more readily available in the Mitts. We usually release it in October, and you can find it up until about uh, end of December, January, about that time frame. But it's got a really good flavor. It's got a, like I said, a touch of that roastiness from the coffee, compliments with the, with the, the sweetness from the vanilla, a little caramel. Uh, but but yeah, and then. Uh, and there's there's definitely a smokiness from that beer, which yeah. pairs really nice with really any cigar. Sure. Um, and it's sweeter too, so you can you know you can do it with a lighter cigar, or you can do it with a medium or heavy cigar too, okay. which is nice. Um, the middle one we have there is a barley wine. Mm-hmm. So a barley wine is a big, rich, heavy malt forward beer. Um, we did this in conjunction with a distillery uh, down in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sagamore Distillery, and they're a known for being a rye whiskey distillery. And what they did is they sent us fresh, empty bourbon barrels, mm-hmm. and they sent those up to us. We brewed a rye-based barley wine that used, I think, at least six, if not more, About different, different kinds yeah, of varieties of rye grain. And we uh, created a barley wine based off that, and then we aged that barley wine for about a year in those same barrels that they gave us. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and that's being released. Actually, that, I think you're, you'll be able to find that at Twins and some other liquor stores around, uh, the actual uh, whiskey, the original whiskey that was aged in it. Okay. And then the barley wine, uh, you can usually get at the brewery. But um, big, rich, rich, sweet notes of uh, molasses and caramel we're going to find mm-hmm. off that, and that'll pair <clears throat> really nice with this cigar. All right, and third, and the last one, but not least, is the Mitts. Uh, the Mitts is our imperial stout named after 603's oldest employee, um, our cat executive <laughs> officer. Uh, she's pretty much a sweetheart. Everyone loves her, so we want to immortalize her in the best beer we could possibly make. Uh, this clocks in at 11.9%. 
but it is smooth drinking for how big of a beer this is uh we aged in three different barrels this year we did the bourbon barrels uh from flag hill uh for someone local then for the rye whiskey we uh talked to our friends from sagamore and they sent up some barrels again and then we did a rum barrel aged as well uh using cutwater spirit barrels and then we added chocolate coconut and vanilla to that beer to kind of give you reminiscence of a uh, chocolate coconut rum ball. Mm. It's beginning to that feel sounds horrible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's 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 a lot of yeah. strong flavors. <laughs> that's a, that's totally gonna fail. You should just leave it all here. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, you've got me all thirsty now. So what are, what are we gonna do first, or how? I think are we we're doing going this? coffee cake first. first. Coffee yeah. cake first. Pass one down, down that down way. Here. All oh, right. Thank you. For that. Yep, fine, gentlemen. You. Is there one more glass on the table over there? Yeah. Yep. Here's one for Dave there. What's that? Thank you, sir. Mm hmm. Ooh, smells wonderful. Rinse my IPA out of my glass with coffee cake. Oh, my. Yeah, so you want to start off with the nose for sure. Hmm. And really, just drink it. Smells and tastes <laughs> like a damn coffee cake. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Boy, that is rich and smooth. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. My goodness. So you Where get, do you get you, the idea to come up with a coffee cake beer? You know what? You the can look. Aisle. You, yeah, you can look anywhere today <laughs> to, find, to find beer inspiration. Look absolutely like, anywhere. But I spend a lot of time in the, in the cereal aisles and the, uh, in the ice cream aisle. This would taste great as a beer. <laughs> but if you go off that, if you think all, all, all your cereals, right? Mm -hmm. All your, you know, your kids stuff, your fun yeah, stuff, yeah. and then also your ice creams. Again, you know, PJ has it on the nose. It's, uh, you're really just looking to create, you know, oh. unique, interesting flavors. Um, you know, and that's where Doug comes in because he's, he really is able to deconstruct, you know, flavor profiles and build them, build them into the beer. Yeah. Cause it's, it's one thing to, to, you know, have that flavor in mind. It's another thing to take a bunch of different grains and make which, that flavor <laughs> and make that flavor from things that don't naturally have anything like that flavor. And that's where, like, it's, I appreciate someone like Doug is ha to have that palate. Like, I'll come up with a crazy idea, and it's like, I don't know, and I'll, I'll run it by Doug or or Dan because Dan's experience with brewing as well. It's kind of like, yeah, that wouldn't work for this, or that could work. We just have to do that. So it's kind of like, I. You know, we'll, we'll all come up with ideas, but sometimes it sounds good, and then in execution, it just can be a little bit more tricky. Sure, but I like throwing Doug a challenge every now and again. He hasn't hey. he hasn't failed. Yeah, how, do, yet. how do you oh, approach sure. it, Doug? Uh, for this beer or something different? Um, I mean, depends on what PJ's throwing at me. Sometimes he <laughs> might throw some crazy, like, "Hey, can we put bacon in a beer?" I'm like, I prefer to not put something fatty in there, but we could use some smoked malt that make you taste like it. Then we can add some um, peppercorns to it as well, a little pepperiness. It, things to make people think of it maybe mm -hmm. add some maple syrup oh breakfast think of it right away mm -hmm. so it's kind of incepting those ideas into people's brains of what you want to accomplish um this beer you got to start from the base too just the kind of malts you're going to use where we used uh maris otter is a nice winter malt from uh great britain gives a nice breadiness to kind of set up the whole beer because it's going to be big has to stand up to the coffee the vanilla the cinnamon and then from there just using different uh 
dark malts do give it that uh, roastiness, the dark dark chocolates, um, and little caramel notes as well. Mm. Paul, what are you thinking of the pairing so far? Oh, well, I'll tell you. Um, the, <clears throat> Paul's pairing. The, yeah, this is uh, this would absolutely be a, a pairing I would I would have with a cigar. So with a cigar, I'll I'll just give you the notes of the cigar on its own. So you got a lot of that nice earthy, uh, woody, nutty spice, super smooth. Uh, nice sweetness in the background. The coffee cake porter absolutely brings out a lot more of those earthy wood and nutty flavors. Mm -hmm. So it kind of cancels out the spice, but makes the cigar even smoother. Yeah. So I think it's a phenomenal pairing right now. Likewise, yeah. Dave, what do you think? You're you're the beer nut among us. Uh, yeah, it's definitely bringing out more of the earth and uh, uh, leather tones for me on the cigar. Um, the the mouthfeel of the beer is just freaking amazing. Mm. You know, I, I love it. Super it's smooth. A, this is like, oh, yeah. That's like my type of beer. I love the thick. Are you usually you know, a dark beer guy? Beer. Yeah. I'm, yeah I'm, a, I'm a big Sam fan. There you know, go. but um, I don't like, I'm not an IPA guy. Okay. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not big on hops. To me, it tastes like I'm drinking grass. So you're so, more malt. Yeah. <laughs> more malt than hops. Yeah. Malt more malt. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a this is this is this is like my type of thing. I'm a, I'm a huge IPA fan. Are so, you? Oh yeah, I mean I drink IPAs like ninety percent of the time. But this time of year, I'm going for the darker beers. I'm going yeah, for got, everybody. I right? gotta ask you. I mean, with IPA guy, a lot of times I've I've talked to other places that serve uh serve beer, other cigar bars, things like that. And what I are you more of a bitter guy or do you like the New England style? I'm a huge New England style fan. So yeah. One of the things I've caught, which made a lot of sense to me, I was talking to another another cigar bar in New England, and they, they mentioned that the New England IPAs at at just at their establishment specifically, didn't really work, but they like the bit. Their customers really like the bitter ones to kind of cut through the cigar smoke. And I was like, oh, that that's a re I hadn't really thought about that before. Well, yeah, the West Coast IPAs, um, which are called West Coast because they're yeah, like PJ saying, they have a, kind of that distinct bitterness, and then you have that that soft New England kind of feel on the end of it. Yeah. Um, they do really well with like a Connecticut. You know, yes, it's not a nice, yes, a nice lighter, absolutely. lighter Something cigar. That's bright. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of yeah. people don't think you can't do an IPA with a cigar, but you really no, can. You, you, you know, you, oh, yeah, yes, yeah. You yeah. just got to do that. You just got to do something. <laughs> you got to pair. You, 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 you got to be a professional uh, to drink. Yes. Yeah. I'd say if you could pair it, if you can pair that particular cigar with a gin and tonic, you could probably pair it with an IPA. Oh yes, you that, can. That, mm -hmm. there's, oh, yeah. there's definitely a parallel there. Sure. Yeah, those like dank, last week, dank that tropical was just notes. Yep. Yeah. So to yeah. me, again, it's not going to go with every single cigar, but right. for the majority of them, absolutely. Right. I mean, I would agree with a Connecticut would go well with just about um, any type of uh, light beer or IPA or, or or something that's got a lot of like that hoppy tropical notes mm -hmm. or bitters, um, but. Anything like a medium, medium full, that's got some nice uh, earthy uh, wood or even spice tones, IPAs in general would would go well with it. I think I think it's a it's a natural pairing for me. We got to get Dave some different IPAs though, if he's <laughs> thinks they taste well, like we, grass. Well, we, well, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a, like he said in the beginning. He was not a bourbon or whiskey fan. He he just he shunned at the idea of drinking, and now he's well, a, it's a just, huge bourbon fan. It's, so we it's he's, just, we we got to work with. We have to work. Just, with. Sounds it's like a challenge. The, yes. uh, you know, there were IPAs, and then you know you ship them across the ocean, and then they put more hops in there just to get it across the ocean, and then someone was like. Drank it before the ship got there and was like, wow, this stuff's awesome. And then we have like the new IPA taste. And that was like, I'm done with that. It was just like extra hoppy, 
You know, come on, let's. Uh... It's kind of like comparing today's IPA to a you know a Model T. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going back multiple generations, and we're, we're talking about the over-the-ship IPAs. But, just, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll 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 I don't know. There's, maybe we'll do an IPA show with you guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. There's definitely beers for every for for everybody. I meet so many people, and I encounter so many people that are like. Well, I'm not a beer fan. I'm like, oh, that I respect it, but like, maybe you just haven't had the right beer. Then you start asking about flavor profiles, foods that they eat, things that they enjoy, other drinks, what drinks they do like, and it's kind of just dissecting what they're into, and then make okay, you like it, you know, if you like buffalo wings, like an acidic flavor profile, a little vinegar flavor. Let's talk sours. Mm-hmm. So you want something that's just gonna hit you in a little tart, a little love thing. sours, and then you know, it's just trying to. I think everyone that says that they haven't, they don't like beer, it's just let's find the right one. Right, and it's. Some people, there's not, you know, they might not like many styles of beer, but they might just find one that they can really attach themselves to. Mm-hmm. I say the same thing about cigars. Yep. Fall cigars suck. You just haven't had a really good cigar yet. Yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. But before before we get into other stuff, let's let's talk a little bit about who each of you are. Dan, you want to talk about? Yeah, sure. Uh, um, my name's Dan. I'm one of the hi, co-owners Dan. Hi, Dan. of uh, 603 Brewery. <laughs> How you doing, guys? Uh, yeah, myself and my uh, my best friends, Jeff and Tamsin, we started the brewery uh, a little over nine years ago. It'll be 10th anniversary, the June June of 22 coming up. Nice. That'll be pretty exciting. Nice. Big, we'll do a big June, June 3rd, 603 day for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, so we've we've grown from a, a small uh, brewery. We started up in Campton. And we were making about uh, 15 to 30 gallons of beer at a at a whack, and uh, it was it's a weekend and night's job. So you know, I was brewing, and Jeff was, you know, Jeff was putting in his car and selling it in the in the local local area. Um, that quickly spooled up, and we went down to Londonderry. We got a larger facility, and we started growing the company. And then uh, two years ago, we built a brand new facility in uh, downtown Londonderry, and that now houses a full uh, beer hall. Which seats about 200 people, um, giant indoor and outdoor seating, and the there's a giant glass wall, and you can look right into the full production facility where you can see the whole operation Doug. going on. And wave, <laughs> and wave, wave at Doug on the roof stand. <laughs> look, it's Doug. Yeah. Hi, okay. Doug. You can tap on the glass. And we do encourage you to feed the brewers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll let you buy Doug a beer from from the other side of the glass if you want. <laughs> Tell us about yourself, Doug. What do you do? Uh, I'm Doug. I'm the head brewer for 603 Brewery. Uh, started back with them in January of this year. Uh, before that, I've been brewing in San Diego for the last 10 years, uh, but I am a native. Grew up in Nashua. Oh, nice. Um, so mm. I just wanted to move back Welcome to back. my family. Thank you. Um, and to go off Dan saying they were doing 10 to 15 gallon batches. Now our average knockout is about 1,100 gallons, but up to about 5,500 gallons. Wow. What a big a lot of beer. A lot of beer. A lot of beer. That's a beautiful thing. If there's ever an apocalypse, you know where to go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and PJ. Uh, yeah, so I'm PJ. I'm the director of sales for 603. I started with the company about four years ago. So uh, my day-to-day is I deal with accounts and wholesalers, uh, things like that. We I handle events. Uh, just kind of try to educate people on our on our products and talk about our beers and make sure they're readily available so that people of new hampshire can go and enjoy them and pick them up now do you are you basically in new hampshire do you go 
New England? Do you go regional, national? So current foot- international? Are you in Canada? We are. Uh, so, <laughs> honestly, that's I, what it's all about. I, 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 I've been high in Canada with a with a, with a stink eye lately. Like I'm just looking at it. I mean, it's really our neighbor. No, right now we're in New Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts. Uh, we have been in Vermont, but we're going to refocus for 2022, and we're excited to launch Maine. Oh, so nice. We'll, we'll be going into Maine as, as of the first of the year, so it'll be nice to uh, nice. give our friends to the north a little bit of the 603 love. Uh, and then from there, we'll go to Canada. Yeah. I mean, I just want to go to Montreal and go to you know, some Bruins and some Bruins Canadians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, what, Dan, what, what got you started brewing? Beer. I mean, was it alcoholism? Was it? <laughs> was it college? Was it? It was. Know, no, it, it, thing? Like, no, it was. It was in college. Take out my RA. Yeah. You know? No, I. You know, it was um, something. First, it's like, all right, like I can figure this out, right? I can, I can give this a shot. You know, you buy a kit and you do it on your stove at home, and you know, thirty days later, like, oh shit, like I made beer. <laughs> and then you give it to your buddies, and they're like, wow, fresh beer. Never tasted that before. It's pretty good. And it just kind of. It starts to snowball from there because when, I make beer. Yeah, once you taste like fresh beer, you don't realize you don't get that opportunity sometimes or mm-hmm. often. Most people don't know what really fresh beer tastes like. And it's good. rare that we'll ever drink anything more than thirty days old. Now it's just kind mm-hmm. of a luxury of doing what we do. And um, I just got addicted to the flavor profiles of it, and then the experimentation, like on where you could go with different things. You know, so it really it was this art and science kind of blend that I found just super unique and interesting. Um, and that's really what got me into brewing beer. And then I just kind of got everyone else in my orbit interested in it. <laughs> and we eventually started a business with a couple of them. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you, you were you studying, I read in your, on your website that you were, you met at Dartmouth, uh, sorry, UMass Dartmouth. Yeah. Yeah. So we all met at UMass Dartmouth, um, in engineering school together. And it's funny because we were all in this like experimental engineering program. We'll just skip to the weird part. Basically, we were put into a lab, and all of our professors actually rotated in to see us for freshman year. So we stayed in the – instead of us traveling around campus, the professors came to us. Okay. And it was just this – and we all lived together. We all went to class. Together. It was just this intensive environment. And while ultimately it was probably not the best way to enjoy your first year of college um, – <laughs> It really, it, it created some very tight bonds. There's so many people from that just initial group that I met, you know, 20 years ago now uh, that I'm still very good friends with. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, That's cool. sweet. I had, a, I had a friend growing up, and he started a, like a microbrewery in his garage, and his, his the name of his beer was Grandma's Bathwater. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually really good, but the name was horrible, but it didn't matter. It was good. It's part of the fun. It's just kind of naming yeah, your yeah. children. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Figuring out what you can do with it and concepting the labeler and getting a little kooky. And... No, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, I've, I've been involved with a couple of homebrew groups and stuff. And that's, that is, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's great to get into your own thing. I, I had a, I had a, uh, I have a pastor friend of mine who is really, really into the home. Oh, brewing. they get into it. Yeah. Yeah, no, he gets into it. And so he had this whole men's group thing built around it. He called it Hebrews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would, you know, each month, you know, one of them would pay for the pack and they'd all, and, and they'd, then they'd enjoy their stuff and talk and share and everything. And it was, it was addictive. It was the, the process was addictive. Not the, you know, not that they were all luscious, but, but they were, know, it was, it was, it was, it was great. And I mean, how, you know, 
to get together with your your pastor. It takes hours. You know, it's not it something you can rush. It's you know very much like you got to take the time to smoke a cigar. Probably mm-hmm. you got to take the time to make the beer. Yeah. And honestly, it's one of those things when you're home brewing. It's much you more can fun have a beer and smoke too. a cigar and really yeah. keep it relaxed. And it's and... much more fun to do when yes. you got people to talk Absolutely. to because there is. There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of yeah. It's a lot of hurry up to wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do any of you guys like have like a little kit at home just to be like inspirational at home? You're just like, oh, this would be awesome. You just start doing something. Well, honestly, uh, if Doug comes in, he's that excited about something. We're just gonna let him rip. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we're not gonna make him prove out a, a five gallon shot. Yeah. Uh, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> in the past, yes, would go and make some at home, do some fun stuff. Uh, previous brewers have worked out like, oh, I have some ideas. But when you're doing production, you don't always have the time. So a lot of the guys on the team do some home brewing still, and they'll bring them in. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. We need to maybe look at that recipe about scaling it up. Mm, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So talk a little bit about the beer hall. You've got this big, huge place. That's yeah, two hundred people. So it was pretty cool, you know. So we we grew up, um, you know, that second location that we moved to, like you know, it was a industrial bay originally in Londonderry, and uh, you know, growing to this, you know, we being so small and then really growing to almost the size we are now in that space was extremely difficult. So you learn to jam tanks and every nook and cranny and corner and run pipes and plumbing. So when we had the opportunity to actually lay out a building from start to finish and actually, you know, engineer the process from, you know, okay, grains come in here, they get recycled, they go through there, and then, you know, finish product out the back door. Mm-hmm. Just being able to lay out the mechanics and the engineering of that whole facility was a dream come true. Yeah. Because all those little things that annoy you about every other place you've been, it's like, oh, I finally get to fix them. That's awesome. <laughs> the only thing is you're never going to remember to fix all of them because now I got two more that I wish I changed. <laughs> but details. But um, the big thing for us, too, is in that original facility, during you know the later part of the week, we would clear out kind of the shipping and receiving area, and people would come in, and we had a little tap room. And we love the interaction we had with people. So what we wanted to do is build a place where people could come and just really amplify the, the previous experience that we had. So you can come, you can see the entire process, you can see the tanks, you can see the canning, you can see the brewing. Um, but then you just got to really you know, get the feel of the brewery experience just on a larger scale. Um, and we had the opportunity to move and you know build the building in, uh, in downtown there. And we went ahead and took it and uh, haven't looked back. It's been fantastic. You were one of the first... Uh... I guess, employers or companies to move into the new Woodmont Commons, right? Yep, yep. So uh, brand new development over there. I think it's New Hampshire's largest private development or something. Uh, Acreage-wise, it's over 600 acres. It's huge. So they have a pretty giant multi-year plan. You know, fingers crossed it keeps rolling. Um, (laughs) But uh, we're in there. We have a couple neighbors, and uh, we, we hear we're getting a couple more neighbors coming up here pretty soon. So, yeah, we're, we're excited to be there. There's a lot of future growth in it. Um, yeah, so we're looking forward to it. So I, I was there last year. Um, it was actually in November. It was kind of a crappy day, and it was a Saturday. And I said to my girlfriend, Let me, let's go check out 603's new beer hall. I hear it's really, really nice. And it was really nice. And she and said, also, okay, Paul, let's oh, go. Yeah. Well, if, if it's beer with her, she'll, she'll go anywhere with me. All right. right. <laughs> but we go in there, and, it, and it's a beautiful place, but it was packed, right? It was Just, just think of the time of year and yeah. what was happening. And she, I didn't notice it at first, but she happens to look outside and says, 
is that an igloo I'm looking at? <laughs> and that ended up becoming our uh, respite that day because it was so packed in there and we just wanted a quiet place, at least a quieter place to enjoy our beer. We went outside and uh, we actually made friends with these, this other couple who was sharing it. So my question is, whose idea was the igloos? So we actually, the, we, we were kind of the OG igloo guys, at least for New Hampshire. So, because um, we did them the year before COVID. You know, everyone kind of discovered the whole igloo things during the COVID year. But um, I was watching Nesson, and they were doing that food TV show. And I saw it on the rooftop bar in Boston where somebody had constructed these igloos. And I was like, that is the coolest looking thing I've ever seen. So I sat there, and I recorded it, and I just rewound it and replayed it, just trying to pick up every kind of little detail that I could. Um, just went to work, researched it, and figured out how to make igloos on our patio. And we installed more power, so they're heated. There's air cleaners in them. You know, yeah. there's lights. And we, uh, we really stepped it up this year. Um, we got bigger ones, put really nice furniture in there. There's a damn chandelier in the thing now. I mean, they're they're pretty sweet. They're pretty sweet. Different colors too. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can change. Yeah, really you can change cool. all the colors. Yeah. Now there's speakers in there, so they won't, they won't blow 15 <laughs> feet up in the air across the parking lot. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Those original ones. If you didn't, yeah, we didn't, we didn't batten them down uh, well <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you put 500 pounds of sand on them. It didn't matter. It gets so windy up there. It just picked that thing up and Dude, shot it across. There, there was a day last winter. I'm sitting in. We have we have a kind of shared office for uh, some of us in the office. It's myself, marketing, a uh, couple of the other couple other offices in there, and a big glass window kind of looks out to our parking lot. So I'm sitting in my computer, kind of checking emails, trying to look, look busy so I don't get in trouble. And then, uh, all, lo and behold, <laughs> I see an igloo, 15 feet up in the air, blowing over cars, and I just run i run i run i run through production and there's a couple our shipping receiving guys gone. there and then one of our one of our packaging guys there i was like guys grab a coat grab a coat they're like what what i'm like just grab a coat we run outside and they're like then they they see the igloo sailing away like oh god here we go and when we say igloo just so people can get a visual of it it's about tw obviously 12 feet in ice. diameter <laughs> yeah it's about 12 feet in diameter and it's about eight feet in the center and it's basically half a sphere and so, yeah, we had that about 15 feet in the air, just literally blowing hundreds of yards across. <laughs> Luckily, we, we got it before it hit the highway. If you but, know where uh, our front patio is and you know where the market basket is, yeah. we caught it in the woods behind market basket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that far. So it, it's a good you were 600, 700 yards. Oh, I mean, yeah. It yeah, was, so wow. now now we have steel ones that we have uh, concrete anchored to the patio, <laughs> so we Genius. won't have to chase them in the future. Yeah, if, if the wind does take it, it's taking the entire patio. Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, things like the igloos and just things like the beer hall, and it's uh, we wanted to bring something different to the area too, mm -hmm. you know, oh, yeah. because it's an experience. It's it's very unlike anybody else kind of in the area's offering. Um, so it just provides, you know, it it's one of your weeknights. One of the things as, that, as you're doing the tour through the town. One of the things that I really love. Uh, when we when we were looking into building a new place, uh, Dan, uh, our, our other owners Jeff Tamsin, and our marketing director Morgan were making made a couple trips across the country just to see what other breweries are doing, and they saw this model that was working really really well out west that hadn't really been uh, developed. Not really, a lot not a lot of people have used it in New England yet, which was a counter service model. So it's as opposed to walking to a, a you know a beer hall or a, a brewery or restaurant and getting table service, it's you know and then. It's you go up to the counter, order your beer, or if you want food, they'll give you a number. You can, you know, meander around the beer hall. You can kind of just kind of go wherever you want and kind of experience every different thing that you want because we have five bars in there total. So it's you can move and mosey around and socialize with other people. And 
You can stay as long as you want or stay as quick as you want. If you want just a quick beer in, 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 in and out, you can do that. Or if you want to hang for a few hours, no pressure. You're not taking up a server's table or anything like that. You can just order at your leisure. So that was a really cool thing that I'm, I'm glad that they did and, and kind of and thought of because it is. It's kind of unique where it's low pressure. I've been at restaurants before, and they're kind of like sometimes skirting you out, like, ah, wrap right. it up, guys. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're serving alcohol, you're like, I want people to take their time, you know, and enjoy themselves. And if it's only a beer an hour, I don't care, you know, how much you're spending as long as you're here having a good time and enjoying what we've got. Sure. So that was that was a really cool concept, and I'm glad that it's, it seemed to have worked out so far. That's great. That's really great. Pat, what do you think of the pairing here? So, have you had any? <laughs> I'm eating with Paul. So, I mean, the Padermo 10 anniversary in Sungrown. We're about to move on to the next pair, so you might want to hurry up. Oh, you skipped me, Dan. So. I didn't skip you. I'm, I'm here with you now. So, come on, Patch Boy. Well, so th right this, now. this cigar is definitely like the one that I would think of when it comes to pairing with beer, just because it has that like natural, like raisiny sweetness to it. A little bit of spice from the Sungrown wrapper. Nice leather notes, a little bit of cedar, and then mm. nice spice on the retro hill. Yep. And this beer is definitely enhancing the leather note, which I think Paul's the one that said at first. And then it's also giving me kind of this, I want to say it's more of like a toffee type finish. It's really like savory and I'm enjoying it a lot. It's really enhancing the cigar. Mm -hmm. so. All right. Yeah. Are we ready to move on? To yes. I think we can. Yes. Yeah, I think oh, you guys yeah. will really mm -hmm. like to see how the next one yep. works with it. Yeah. All right. I've been, so I've been dry for up? like 15 minutes, so. Yeah, same <laughs> No one should ever right, be so dry. When you run out, yeah. just say the word. We got plenty. Oh, no, that was good. Start really good. So what is this? So this is our barley wine. So this is the, the barley wine we did with uh, in Sagamore rye barrels. Okay. So ABV right. on this. I have to re-educate myself here. 10.6. 10. Uh, 10 10.3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, close enough. This will be a tough one so I can make sure everybody gets some. Then we can go back to more. Yep. Yeah, so this one you're gonna Pat, you're, you're gonna get a lot more sweeter now. See if you can give caramel. It's been a while since I've had a barley one, cherry. so reacquaint myself with the style. Okay. So barley wines. Are this, <laughs> to killing. tell you a little bit about barley wines, barley wines have this undercover cult cult follow, following. Hashtag barley wine is life. Like there's, it's not a style that's super prominent nowadays, but there's a few wow, breweries that do it, different. and they're they're very really different. complex and really fun. Mm. Tons of dark fruit notes. Yeah, so mm -hmm. this this is really going to change, I think, what you taste in the cigar. This, this should be an interesting combo. Oh, oh wow. Oh, yeah. Mmm. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. That's hearty. Now I'm, now I'm reacquainted with it. Mm. <laughs> See? Oh, like that one will start yeah. sticking to your ribs I haven't a had bit. one in quite a few years, so this yeah. is, I'm, yeah. I'm getting... This, this would go great with my apple pie. Yeah, so <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm getting a lot of apple on yeah, the nose. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of apple here. Oh, it's like oh God, yeah. Green apple, mm -hmm. brown right. sugar, cinnamon. Right. Just mm -hmm. open right up. Right. Caramel, vanilla. Yeah. Oh, wow. Apple. Dave, you think you found your new beer right in there? Yep, this is it. I'm if you're stock. a malt guy, not a hop guy, this is going to speak to you. I mean, yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> the cool yep. thing about barley wines too is I'm a hop guy animal like I, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity drinker yeah um, same here so barley wines fresh you do get a really really nice hop characteristic to it and as they mellow out a few months out of it that just kind of dissipates and adds to the sweetness whereas in IPAs when that hop characteristic fades it's almost a sickly sweet and the kind of it almost affects the beer in a negative way but in a barley wine when that hop character uh, simmers it almost it gives it a different note that it didn't normally have that complements it it's mm. so sweet. 
Yeah, so so this one um, it's almost cidery. Yeah, mm-hmm. very yeah. much. Oh, yeah, right. that, it's a really good. That's a really good descriptor for it. Uh, like a like an intense kind of mm-hmm. apple cider. Yeah, uh, oh, no to beautiful. It. So this this uh, this we one gotta, sat in the, gotta, the whiskey we... barrel for about a year, and then once we packaged it, it's been uh, about good. nine nine months probably in that in that package. Uh, that's actually. Or is that older? Over a year. I think yeah. it's probably a year and a half, almost two years. I don't think it's. What's the date on not, it? Not, what till, it not since we packaged June it. June 2020. June oh, 2020. Okay. Yeah. All right. So a year and year and a half. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Noise. 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 I'm, I'm gonna have to have you guys down for like with this and some of my apple pie. He, it, he makes epic apple pie. Yeah. I, or you it, could cook this down to a little reduction over the apple pie. Ooh, now you got a barley wine. Now you Now you're barley wine apple pie. Barley wine sauce. There you go. Dave's now thinking. Hmm. What does this guy Sorry, pull Thomas for you, Eli? Eli yeah. No Christmas so, present for you. We're buying beer so yes. I can make apple pie for Christmas. Yep. <laughs> I think the barley wine is bringing out a lot more of the earthy sweetness to me in the cigar. Mm-hmm. I think it's really kind of enhancing what what sweetness there is in that cigar and kind of amplifying a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's the earth tones to me are a little bit more prominent. Okay, so it's bringing up the earth. It's definitely yeah. bringing out the sweetness of the cigar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm. this cigar is naturally creamy and sweet. Yeah, just there's wanna, a cream note there, too. I yeah. just want to pour it into my apple mix, you know? Oh. <laughs> yeah, we figured this, this would, it's a really, <laughs> it's a neat turn from that from that first beer. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, barley wines are, you know, they're fun to make. It's not a style that is hugely sought after, <laughs> except for, like, what PJ said. It's a real cult following. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so it can be tough to find them out in market. Uh, but you know, buy them, throw them in your cellar, age them. They only got better with time. So I have a 20, awesome. 23 year vertical right now. So twenty three consecutive years of Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot barley wine. So going back to nineteen ninety nine, I think is what I have is my oldest run right now. It's just sitting in the cellar. Nineteen. So it's already like it's nineteen ninety nine. So barley wines, I'll, I'll collect them. I mean, I have ones from early two thousand ten, two thousand nine, from but uh, just from different breweries. But Sierra Nevada every year, I I, I make sure I pick it up. And what I want to do is a 25-year vertical of, of Bigfoot Barley Wine. Find six friends, sit around, crack each each 12-ounce bottle. Everybody gets 50 ounces of barley wine, which at the end of that, everybody needs to ride home. <laughs> All right. Now, with the, with the, with the, um, state, with the pre-statement here that this is really, really good. Mm. Uh, you've said that barley wine is, is not a well-sought-after thing. It's a kind of a niche. So, <laughs> Why? How, so as you know... <laughs> As a, as a growing microbrewery, you know, of course, you're, you're wanting to make stuff oh, wow. that's going to, that people are going to buy. Yep. I mean, that's, the, you're, you're, you're oh, getting started. Obviously, you're almost 10 years in. You're not at the starting points. But, but what makes you decide it's worth your time and money to put something like this together, which you know is Maybe. really only going to be a niche thing? I, it, for these experiences, yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. for these experiences. You know, we we put so it in a special ma- package. For and, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's really mm-hmm. it's it's just for it's for the people who enjoy it. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's a small run. You do it once a year. It takes just so much damn extra time into you know the liquid to actually mm-hmm. create it. Um, you make a small batch and you just let the people who really want to enjoy it enjoy it. And yeah. don't you know, there are times where we'll we'll sit around and we'll think, all right, you know, we have this passion project. Like we'll look at our calendar every year. We sit around. We develop a calendar for the year a few months before the year happens. Mm-hmm. So September, October, we're thinking about planning that entire next year out. And you put things on there that you're like, okay, this I think is seasonably appropriate. This is going to work. This has appeal to people. And, you know, this will appeal to that fan base or this customer base. And then we have beers that we're just like, man, we just want to do this. Mm-hmm. We think we can do something cool. We think that we can get people behind it. We think we can get people excited about it. 
it's a passion thing for us. Like I said, I'm a big barley wine guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad Doug, Doug also is an, someone that enjoys barley wines as well. But there's some beers that we'll just do just because we want to do it. And then mm-hmm. we, we're, we're able to do that because we have the beers that will perform in market and that we've developed and spent nine years plus on. You know, our, our Winnie that Dan started on his homebrew kit is still our number one seller. Yeah. And that's stand to the test of time for us. We call it, you know, pays our bills and it allows us to have fun with our, even our EO9 line, which we didn't bring anything from, which is kind of our experimental playground. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you go into the grocery store, you'll find three or four different varieties from right. us. You know, you go into a beer shop, you'll get maybe a couple of our extra extended stuff, but you come to the beer hall and we have 16 taps. Yeah. Okay. So oh, there, God, yes. there's at least 16 plus is usually some special edition stuff like this, you know, the barley mm-hmm. wines beer and the mitzes only. that, yeah, our beer hall only. Now, you'll be seeing my face down there. Now. How many, <laughs> how many beers do you guys generally brew in a year? How many different oh, kinds my. of things? What's on the, what's on the docket for 22? I'd say anywhere from Two to three original beers. Twenty to forty a year. I think probably close to forty. Do we have like twenty-five new beers coming out next year? Yeah, yeah. twenty-five new beers. Beers that we've never done before. Is that that part of your EO nine line? Most of them, yeah. Most of them will start there. Um, Some, it's got them. So we have so many meetings, and we're talking about what makes sense for EO nine. Is this as an EO nine or is it a six hundred three? And there's, it's got to meet certain criteria to be either one. And that's why we'll kind of stylistically we'll get an idea of where where it should land. And then maybe throughout the process, it might change. But PJ, can you explain what EO9 is for her? So EO, yeah. EO9 yeah. is uh, quite literally cool. 603 on top of its head. Uh, our old, our old uh, I say old, our second location, so not Campton, but our first location in Londonderry, uh, we gave a lot of tours, and it was a nice, cool, industrial-type feel. And people would get the tour, and all of our kegs, once they're cleaned, we would tip upside down at that point. So it, all of our kegs are branded. They said 603, so we'd have people go, what? what's EO9? <laughs> <laughs> it's the keg it's it's upside down it's clean that's how we know it's clean but 603 just on its head so uh before i came along they kind of developed the concept of well eo9 is 603 flipped upside down it's on its head so it's a playground for us to experiment with something that's kooky i'm looking at a beer that doug just pulled off over there called <laughs> a cuke walks into a jar it's a pickle goza we called it a cucumber goza but it's 240 pounds of fresh cucumber that doug slaved and sliced up 240 pounds by hand oh my god uh, some black peppercorns obviously gozas traditionally have a little bit of salt yeah. and then he used this hop sriracha ace which in my experience is i'm not a brewer i'm just as a beer fan it's a brutal hop to have in a beer because it doesn't normally play well but the one aspect of that hop that worked really well is it's got notes of lemon and dill. So you smell that beer, you taste that beer, like this tastes like pickle juice. But there's no pickle juice. It's all natural ingredients in the hops that literally just give it uh, the, the lemon and dill flavor. That wouldn't necessarily make sense as a 603. It's a little bit too far out of the box. So um, it's not extremely approachable, but it's so fun. And it's it's kind of a, a mind game with the flavor profile that it brings on you like, no, i have something to drink with my pickle chips all right yeah. so that that beer with a burger is unbelievable yeah that so, beer with a hamburger is just out of control so, oh wow so you can and that's the thing it's, it's not a beer that we would ever sell volume of that pays the bills but it's so much fun to just sit back and be like wow this is unreal is that something you would uh, release in the summertime we released it we released it for our, uh the fall to okay. go kind of with our october fest all right uh figured you know Pickles and brats go and pretzels go hand in hand. Like a picture sure. of pickle Rick on it. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wanted to do that. There were some trademark issues. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an awesome. It well with whiskey, too. 
Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, you, you can make a little modified pickleback with that if you'd uh, if you'd like. Yeah. Well, there's some. I I don't remember what it's called. Is it called the pickle chaser or something? Pickleback. Pickleback. pickleback, pickleback, pickleback where you, no, pickleback. you take a shot of Jameson and then a shot of pickle juice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I'll drink those. And all I day. got I got you know I was talking to Kendra and one of our part timers Brett about that and he was like you've never done that i'm like why would i ever do that and he's like no you gotta try it you gotta try it and and i'm like wait you you actually drink pickle juice doesn't everybody and he said yeah he said I, that's my favorite thing when it, when the pickles are gone you just start drinking it yeah and i'm like oh and i said kendra can you believe this what are you talking about i do it too and i'm like you and they made me do it they made they got they got me a shot of jameson got me the pickle juice they made me do the whole thing change your mind and it, it wasn't as bad as i thought it was gonna be right. wasn't it, it was it, you know it was good i don't know that i could do it all the time but you know it's electrolytes keeps you from getting hung over well yeah. there you go, there you go. <laughs> don't quote me on that <laughs> at the first time a bartender you know it's like oh you gotta try this and she gave me pickle juice from bread and butter pickles oh. Oh. <laughs> that was, that was yeah. a miserable fit that almost kept me pickles for the rest of my life dill pickles yes. i will eat dill pickles all day it long it has to be a dill pickle i can't for a pickle do back. i can't do i can't yeah. do bread yeah. and butter bread and butter is not a good That's idea what's, yeah. Yeah. what's no. even wor- no. not worse but no my wife Absolutely. is big on the half sours half sour it's just a cucumber <laughs> it's literally just a cucumber and water half sour pickles <laughs> pat why do you look like a sour pickle <laughs> <laughs> He's pickle pet. <laughs> Are you still enjoying things? Yeah. 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 I like the barley wine too. It's really good. It's, yeah. Uh... So it's um. Have you ever had barley wine before? No, this is the first time. Oh. But um, it's... would you buy it again? Would you buy it? Would you buy it if you saw it? Yeah. I mean, I'm a coffee guy, and I'm actually enjoying this a little bit more than the other one for some. Just I think it's just because of the cigar. Maybe it's bringing out more. So it's. The other end of the spectrum for me, so it is bringing out that sweetness. I'm getting more of the cedar instead of the earth notes you guys were mm-hmm. talking about, but you're gonna hit me for saying it. But I'm getting like a really like nice baking spice on the finish <laughs> because of like those <laughs> cinnamon <laughs> apple <laughs> notes. Yeah. Well, drink. it's definitely in here. It's definitely in the drink. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's any baker spice in the cigar. Is there any naturally left? speaking? Well, there, no. Yeah. Usually. Is there any left in the can? I think we killed it. Yeah. Oh, yep. And I've never Sorry, had Dave. like a cinnamon right. note with this cigar, so it's just kind of unique, kind of you know how the cigar changed from drink to drink. It's almost mm-hmm. like a whole other cigar at this point. So yeah, right. Pat, do you ever dive into beers, or you pretty much stay? So my brother was really into it, yeah. and so I have I probably had more experience with beers other than spirits before I started working at Twins. Yeah. So I, you know, if it's not a coffee, I would rather a beer than a spirit, but. You know, being here, I've kind of gotten more into spirits. I don't know. I'm kind of all over the place. What's a go-to beer for you? So I, I went to school in Maine. So Maine Brewing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Like their lunch, for instance, yep. their yep. dinner. That's kind Absolutely. of where I am. IPAs. But... Great. Great brewery. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. these So these beers. So now the barley wine and then going into the Russian Imperial Stouts there. This is kind of the, the beers that start making that leap into oh, more yes. of that liquor. Mm-hmm. You know, because we personally are big spirit fans uh no. as well uh yeah so we do plenty of research in that in that department usually at your fine establishment <laughs> yeah often often uh, lots, and lots of r&d yes. more, more than often there. but with that other comment being said i would never think to have a any of the main brewings i've had with a cigar out of what i've done so far i would go back to these with a cigar any day of the week yeah so. 
it's definitely more complimentary to having a cigar. It is fun to see what different flavors pop off different beers. Like you said, you're, you're, it's the same cigar we're smoking, but you're picking up totally different things based on what you're drinking. So it's almost you get a unique experience right? every time. You're like, oh, I've had this cigar before, but I haven't had it with this. Yeah. So it's like a first time. So uh, one question I have, you mentioned about the fact that Barley Wine, obviously, it, it's not a, a, a huge seller. It's usually for either people who are following it like a cult or, or you know, just a one-off customer. But you go to a, like, talk about going to a beer store, and 90% of the beers are going to be IPAs. Oh, yeah. And I'm having, again, I, I like all styles of beer, and especially, specifically this time of year, I'm searching more for the darker. I love a good oatmeal stout, milk stout, you know, the, the, you know those are styles that used to be found Huge. a lot more readily available years ago but now it seems to be taken over by more ipas ipas are 42 percent of the craft market wow wow so it's it's almost People just love grass so yeah it, so in, in your operation <laughs> what do you do you see your do you do you sell more ipas than anything else or oh, or do you do you try to like differentiate yourself by it, brewing all styles and it's kind of tough um we have a lot of IPAs available, yeah. so numbers are automatically skewed. It's not it's not apples to apples. Uh, our, out of our core, we call it our core, our, our the the brands that we brew year round. Um, we have our six hundred three IPA, our scenic session, which is a session IPA. Uh, we have a seasonal line. Uh, Knuckle puck is an IPA. Pop obsession is an IPA. Summertime, you could argue uh, you could be on it's the fence. Session. It's a session. You could call it a session IPA. You could call it a pale ale, but. Uh, and those are all great sellers for us. But like yeah. I said, Winnie, our Amber Ale, is still number one. Really? So um, That's awesome. It's yeah. been great for us, whereas there's you know some breweries, it's just the way that it happens organically. You can't really go out and set off to do it. Some brands, they release a beer, and it catches fire. And their 90% of their sales are one beer. Um, our, we're very lucky and very fortunate that our scenic session, our 603 IPA, our Winnie, and then our seasonals, if you add up, we have three different seasonals that rotate on and off throughout the year, are all almost mm. nose to nose. So the volumes between those three, uh, between those are all pretty even. So do we make, do we sell more? Are, yeah, because more, more of it's available. Um, but it's for us that, you know, the fact that we have a beer that's not an IPA that's kept the lights on for us so long and yeah. given people like myself and Doug Jobs is, is pretty incredible. And it's nice to kind of know that in an IPA market, we still have success with a beer that's not an IPA. Because there's, there's a, I won't name the brewer, but there's a brewer in my town of Nashua that and I, his name I, is I, I, I love. No, <laughs> I love, I love them, but all they seem to do is double IPAs. It's, and, and they're a moneymaker. I know that. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, we come right down it, to it. You know, it's it's going to sell, right? It's, so they're going to brew with what sells, correct? It's good. Right. It's supply and demand, and it's like you want to appeal to the market, yeah. uh, and and it's. You know, it's, it's doing, it's, they're doing what works. For I know exactly what you're talking about, and yeah. it works for them. And why, if it's working, why change it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, as well, they... And, and they're really good at it. And they're yeah. really, they're really, really good, good at it. They're very yeah. good at it. They're very it's, good at it. They're brewing absolutely phenomenal beers. So. But, they, but they've, but they've, they have brewed other beers that I think have done, to me, equally as good. At least I've enjoyed it equally as good. But they just seem to go right back to the double IP. Just when you're a smaller brewery? Yeah. Yeah. You've got to do the beers that sell. Oh, I get like it. I get it. Yeah. And just do those. And yeah. then that's why we have the luxury of doing yeah. some of these beers because Dan's grown the brewery over the last 10 years to a big sure. direction. Sure. So we do the beers to keep the lights on. And then we can also do these small passion projects like barley wine. Mm -hmm. When you're small, you got to do keep doing what's selling. Have you have you ever brewed an oatmeal stout, a straight oatmeal stout? Mm -hmm. 
And how did that how did that go? Oh, I love you? it. It's like coffee and cigarettes. Did, did it sell well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It did. Okay. Especially yeah. you put so, it on nitro, nice and delicate. That, that's it. Nitro, oh, yeah. nitro stouts are yep. just it's so phenomenal. Fast. Yeah. One of my one of the first beers I ever really really loved was Samuel Smith's Oatmeal Stout. Yeah. I mean that was I could I remember being newly twenty one and seeing it in a grocery store and I was like oh my god and I I love that style and you know it's you don't see it as much anymore oatmeal stouts have come you know. Five to eight years ago, you'd see more of them. Now you're seeing more of the we call them pastry stouts. You're, you, yeah. people are just playing on that that those adjuncts, but maybe an adjuncted oatmeal stout might be in the future for six out three. Never know. Yep. <laughs> All right. Now we've had two beers. We've had the coffee cake, mm-hmm. and we've had the barley wine. Both of them have been very good and oh, brought out different things phenomenal. with the cigar. Uh, so I don't. Neither of them, I think, you could say, did not pair well. Can we all agree with that? Correct. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So mm-hmm. between these two, so far, which would be your preferred pairing? Oh, so far, God, it's tough. Pat, this is an audio podcast. Pat. <laughs> um, I would say the second one. The second one, the barley wine. Barley wine. Yeah, what, because, what, what do you like about the barley wine better? Probably more just because it, it's unique to my palate. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I drink a lot of coffee with cigars. So, I got, you know, like the leather notes getting intensified and kind of getting like, you know, intense pepper. That's kind of something I'm used to. But having this, it kind of adds that more of a fall type flavor profile, I guess. So, it kind of brings out that sweetness, that cedar note that I love in the cigar. And then it also gives me like that nice baking spice finish. That kind of just... Which I know you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... <laughs> The coffee cake was very familiar to you, and mm-hmm. you liked it, but because this is bringing out new stuff with the cigar, and it's a little bit more fallish, you like this a little bit more. So yeah, it's a, it's bit a bit new fresh. experience in my palate. It's new, so it's, okay. you know. Paul, what about you? Um, as much as I love the barley wine, I'm going to have to say the coffee cake porter would be my preferred pairing with the cigar, only because it brought out a few more of the cigar notes for me, uh, specifically the... Uh, uh, the wood and, and nutty flavors that I really like from the cigar that that seemed to be more prominent with the uh, porter than I got with the barley wine. So, and the fact that I could probably have two of them and uh, still stand up straight <laughs> would, would be good. So, Dan, what, what that was honestly that was my exact answer. Um, I really thought that yeah, the uh, the coffee cake porter really did bring out the nutty notes in that cigar. And just the fact that usually if I'm going to smoke a cigar, I'm probably going to get through two pints. Mm-hmm. And I can do that with the coffee cake porter. Yeah. Whereas if, right, I, did right, that right. With, if yeah. I tried to do that with the barley wine, you know, I, I'd probably need a, a ride home. <laughs> <laughs> ABD reasoning, you know, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you shop for how, you know, by how much, how much do I need to drink today? Yep. But you, mm. PJ, what are you thinking? I, you know what? It's, 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 I haven't had, I've had, Plenty of cigars with the coffee cake. The unique experience with the barley wine. I haven't had a cigar with this barley wine yet. So I was really, really enjoying the notes. I was picking up on it. Uh, that Those fruit notes kind of really complement the cigar to me. Um, I'm getting a lot of a little, a lot of spice on this one right now just for my palate. So those fruit notes kind of cut it a little bit and kind of worked well with it. A little pepperiness, a little, little fruit. So, <laughs> Doug, what about you? Uh, off default? I'm just going to go with the uh, barley wine because you know, I love whiskey. So anything that's been aged in oak is usually a preferred beer for me. Mm. Uh, I love the caramel, the toffee, the cinnamon. Um, 
just sniffing off Dan. Paris Well was second half. <laughs> I know what Dave's going to say. Dave. Oh, do you? Yeah. Do you? Do you? Um, for me, it's neck and neck. I can't. I can't pick. I like really? them both. I like them both. And I just can't wait to drink this with apple pie. That's really what I'm focusing on. <laughs> yeah. I'm dead set on Dave that. It's going to happen. He's not thinking about cigars. He's nope. not thinking about pie. Pie. It's all pie. It's, it's all a theme, pie. right? Yeah. Pie week. Yeah. Pie week. It is. It's are my you, week. Are you making apple pies? I am making apple pies. I'm going to be making a lot of apple pies. Dave, only apple pie? Is it, are you just like, I perfected this one, I'm sticking to it? No, I make, I make quite a few pies. I make, you know, some pumpkin pies, apple pies, cherry cream pies, strawberry cream pies, blueberry cream pies. Where do, where do you land on strawberry rhubarb? Uh, I, I don't, I haven't tried to make one yet, but I love it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And a chocolate, French chocolate soak pie. French chocolate soak. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but it sounds delicious. It's, yep. Yeah, this apple pie recipe, though, that he's talking about, uh, my grandmother you know had the recipe it's been in the family for about 100 years oh, wow. he does the the um uh crust from scratch so it's uh, and it's 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 a process and it uh, took me two about oh, a little over two years to learn how to do the crust because it, yeah. it's just, just the crust it, it, and well just the crust because that's the that's just the pie the crust. right there <laughs> yeah. you know it's uh it's it's uh there's a lot of things where you can't this was not a pie where you can read it from a recipe and bake it. You have to physically watch someone do it because there's little things that they do that aren't in the recipe that make or break it. And like one of them, like if, if you don't use properly chilled water when you're adding it to the flour to make the crust, it will not, it will not solidify. So like there's, you know, and it's the same with some other stuff that's in there too, where if it's not like properly kept at a certain temperature, or uh, or in a certain way or left out or whatnot, uh, then it just doesn't taste the same. And it always has to be Macintosh apples. I was going to ask about oh, apples. Okay. Yeah. Macintosh. 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 If there's no Macintosh, there's no apple. Which is incredibly hard to find right now because there's like, you know, cotton candy apples and this apple. Yeah. Everything's genetically modified. And like, you know, the, the old school stuff is like not there as much. Yeah. All right. We're already like an hour into the show and we still have one more beer to go with with One the cigar three more beers beer. well we have we have pipe tobacco to do too oh we've got three, three beers to do with that so I, my 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 cigar is not going to last three more beers i'm really impressed that, that i mean this is this was a churchill folks <laughs> an hour ago now it's a short robusto yeah i'm powering through this is bourbon or rye yeah what do you I think bourbon? the room yeah, I say we save the rum for the yeah, end. Yeah, save the, yeah save I'm, the rum. With rye. I'm just in trying the rye. Rye yeah. is going to be way easier to open right now, too. Yeah, <laughs> let's do the rye. Yeah, I'm, doing, I'm interested in trying the rye. That would, that would be okay. interesting. Dave, hand me your glass, and I'll make sure you get some here. Just leave one of the bottles down here. <laughs> so this is the Mitz. This is the Mitz rye. The Mitz rye. Mm -hmm. oh, what a nose on oh, that yeah. so russian imperial stout yeah aged for a year in sagamore rye whiskey barrels and this is Holy... the first time i'm trying the finished wow. product too so i'm with you guys i'm going in blind oh. one of the really fun oh. parts about this is so we have multiple barrels and what we'll do is we'll taste Ooh. each barrel mm -hmm. and if we don't like a barrel we'll 
we won't use it. We'll just take the best barrels, and then from that, Doug will create a blend wow, of okay. all of the different barrels because every single barrel will have a unique flavor. Right, sure. Some will have chocolate, some will have You don't have to discard them. You can just drop them off at my house. That's fine. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Wow, that is Russian Imperial Stouts are my favorite. Oh, I love, are they? I love Russian Imperial Stouts. And this is <clears throat> this is really smooth right out of the gate. Yep. I mean, a lot, sometimes you get Russian Imperial Stouts that are very alcohol forward, and uh, they're delicious, but they just hit you right up. This is like smooth. And you'll notice smooth. that the body on this compared yeah. to that coffee cake board is a lot thicker, oh, a lot yes. more viscous. Yes. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love the I love the nose on this. What's your description mm. on this one, Doug? Uh, so you'll obviously get a lot of chocolate off of it. You'll get some vanilla. You'll get um, some, a little bit of caramel, uh, raisin, dates, a uh, little bit of uh, cherry as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Raisin, dates, and cherries. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Yep. Very, very good. Well, right off the bat, it it uh, it brought back the spice notes for me, and uh, it, it 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 followed right behind with the uh, the natural sweetness of the cigar. So it's amping up both the spice and the sweet. It is really good. Yep, the spice is picking up. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. This is really good. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to come right out and say it right now. This is my favorite pairing. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. So far. Yeah, so, so far. far. Oh, yeah. so my far. favorite pairing of, of, the three, of the three we've had. Yep. You know, it, the sweetness, the richness, it, you know, it, it plays along with the sweetness of the, of the cigar. The spice is really good with it. Mm -hmm. um, it really, I think, brings out a lot of the woodiness, nuttiness of the cigar. Mm -hmm. There's a real nutty creaminess that's there, and this just really amps that up. I'm, I'm very happy now. This really is not a that I wasn't happy. Cigar, so yeah, it really, is yeah. a great cigar. Mm. I'm just glad we chose the Churchill. Because... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. we chose a robusta. Oh, we would have yeah. done by the uh, barley vine. My goodness. Oh, well, Nub Cameroon, you're, you're you're done by the first beat. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, Dave. What about you? What uh, what do you think of the pairing here? Yeah, this is. I'm I'm going to agree with you, Dan. This is definitely my favorite. It's bringing out all those spice in the cigar. Yeah. It's amping it up. And, you know, now it tastes like a full-body cigar. It's just, oh, this is beautiful. Mm. Paul? Yeah, I would agree. This is my favorite pairing so far. It, again, it's bringing out that spice, which I love from the cigar. It's really uh, enhancing that along with that backbone of sweetness. It's just. Yeah, there's a big a, sweetness going on. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like the cigar is, you know, bringing out the dates and raisins in the drink a lot more, too. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Doug, what about you? What, what what's what do you think of this pairing here? Uh, once again, best <laughs> one so far. Um, definitely the uh, Dan smoke pairs well with the dried fruit in the beer. Oh my gosh! I just realized you're not smoking. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, now who feels like a heat? <laughs> that would be me. Oh my! I'm sorry. <clears throat> At least you can smell it. Still, waft it. He's, he's, getting, waft he's getting the second hand in. Mm -hmm. He's used to this. He comes up to the picnic table behind the yeah. brewery where Dan and I are. All I spend yeah. many R and D days with them at Twins. Uh, <laughs> 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 BJ, what about you? What do you think about how the uh, uh, 
beers going with. I'm getting a cigar. big spice off the cigar, which is going really, really well with that big sweetness from from the beer right now. Mm-hmm. A tons of chocolate. It's yep. like it's like chocolate covered sugar with a big with a big spice. So mm. they're working really, really nice together. Sweet and spice. Is it my yeah. favorite? I still, Sweet I'm still, spice. I'm still loving the barley wine, but I'm a barley wine. I'm a nut for yes. barley wines. Right. So I, it's hard for me to get off that, but this is really cool. It's it's cool to see how different each beer is and with the cigar. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that's one of the things I was excited about doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, I, I, we knew you guys had the cigars. You weren't going to bring stuff that would, you know, not go well yeah. with it. But you know, different things bring out different aspects of the drink of the cigar and that's why pairings are really important you can really you can really play with what you want to experience and in this case in particular i think the cigar is really affecting the drink as well as the drink affecting the cigar i think the cigar is bringing out a lot of that raisiny sweetness um in the stout and i think this the the stout is really bringing out the spice of the cigar and that's that's a fantastic pairing are you you expecting to sell this both all three of these out on friday or do you think you'll have some left over for the weekend yeah it's hard to tell (laughs) i i i I don't know if we'll sell all of them out usually they they last a week or two okay but everything's different and it's 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 you never can tell i mean our toasted pumpkin uh beer that we do every every september um we always that that this year was a shock to us we brewed twice the amount we ever have we brewed 120 barrels gallons what is that 120 to gallons uh math, math. times 31 all right anyway so we brewed 100 <laughs> while he figures out we brewed 120 barrels of our, of our toasted pumpkin beer which is double the amount we ever have before yeah. sold out in a day so we're talking about roughly 1200 cases of beer and it's gone in a day Wow. So this we only did 15 barrels of. So 3,720 3, so 3, gallons in a day. I just just based on this year, and, and I kept telling everyone during the year that this is the year that everyone wants to do everything they couldn't do last year. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. It just like no matter where you went, no matter what you did, you had to deal with an inordinate amount of, of people and celebrating life, yep. right? Celebrating right. what they couldn't do last year. Uh, and I'm gonna get the feeling you guys are gonna sell out yeah I mean, it, 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 it's a treat you know it's your yeah, holiday yeah. it's your it's yeah. a holiday treat the one saving grace is uh a lot some of the beers don't ever leave the brewery other ones do in limited quantities yeah so even if we sell out of the brewery on day one there are a certain amount of cases that will go out to retailers in, in the state of new hampshire okay so you can find them we have this we have this nice feature on our website that we pay pay candidly for you know ni- nice for uh it's called a beer finder so uh, you can just go in and plug in a zip code, and it tells you within 10 miles, 25 miles, where you can find it. Nice. So, um, again, nice. it's I always suggest calling before you go just to make sure it's still in stock there. But uh, So even for people that aren't available to make it to the brewery to purchase it, there's gonna it's gonna be available at select retailers throughout oh, the I'm state. I'm gonna try so. you guys out first on Friday when I get out of work. We're not too right? far, right? No, you're not that far. <laughs> I, well, I you, take that route all the you, time. Yeah, you might be, you might be able to, you might know somebody too. We can always yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 next <laughs> over. How, how late are you guys open? <laughs> Friday, Friday, eight, yeah. nine. Yeah, good. Ten. 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 At about, Ten. At about five fifteen, yeah. you'll see me come through the door. On two wheels, it's coming in the parking lot. Yeah, I'm out at seven. Do I get a free beer for my birthday? Only only to give him a hug. Yeah. 
Something around the profile. The <laughs> so those stories on the website, man, Dan just goes, that's all him. So if anybody ever goes to our website, uh, Dan puts a lot of thought and time into our, our profiles that he puts. So They're fairly nonsensical, but they're, uh, yeah, they're enjoyable. Yeah, it's 603brewery.com is, is where you can find that. I love so. Doug's because uh, immediately I thought of uh, the uh, the Karate Kid, you know, yes. Daniel LaRusso <laughs> and the Karate Kid. That is awesome. You know, at, at the end of the day um beer is fun and it, we just want to have fun while we're making beer oh, yeah. while we're making good beer oh, yeah. um you know but that's what this is you know pj and i uh we've really connected over cigars and like mm-hmm. i said you know normally fridays we end at twins but a couple times a week we're usually sitting at the picnic table out in the back of the brewery smoking different cigars that we've bought there and you know trying different beers together and whatnot and really trying to come up with new pairings so i mean this is old hat for us we love we love oh. doing this that's why uh we we hope we brought some beers that are going to kind of take you guys on a journey here oh yeah flavor profile wise you know certainly did mm. i want to know what pat thinks oh. <laughs> you have to speak pat <laughs> thank you Dave. thank you so with the third drink i would say that what I'm looking for when I have a sun grown, I think it's taking away. It's a little bit of a contrasting pairing. So it's leaving me with kind of a really dark, earthy, leathery finish, which typically a lot of people like that. I'm someone that does like that, but if I get that, it's in a Maduro. So I, the drink itself, I, I love it, but I, I really wish I had the 10th anniversary Maduro with this one because I think mm. that would be mm. like beautiful yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah I would Paul agree with that. that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, that cigar would pair it fantastic. Yeah, with, these with will this. stand up to a nice heavy Maduro. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was gonna say like I, I would be off to get one and try this before it sells out, just because I think that it's gonna be really like a knock out of the park with that cigar. Yeah. Yeah. But the second one, like the the Burley wines, definitely still still your favorite. It's still yep. All right, I'm with you, man. It it just really enhances <laughs> what I what I what I look for in a sun grown sun grown. Like that raisiny sweetness, I, I think that whole experience was just enhanced with that like baking spice and fruity sweetness you got from that. So, hundred percent. You drink, uh, you you drink cognac at all? Yep. Cognac in this barley wine, a lot of parallels yep. between those two and those big kind of fruity, you know, notes to it. And mm-hmm. th- what I'm getting is really interesting. Is this cigar is bringing out? I'm getting some cherry notes mm-hmm. out of out of the uh, barley wine, which is real cool. That's I'm not sure if we'll get the same one out of the bourbon. Is it? Is I don't know if that's coming from the rye a little bit more. Okay. The rye barrel. Yeah. All right. Well. So we crack I think this is, this is a good time this to take our break. Mm, breaky break. And uh, oh. so we're going we're gonna to take a little break here, and uh, we'll be gone for about six and a half minutes. But we have lots of entertainment for you mm-hmm. while the uh, break is going on. So mm-hmm. don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right. All are. right, everybody. We are back. Thank you for being with us. We've switched over to our pipes. We're going to have a number of beers. To pair with yeah. what we're smoking tonight, and what we are smoking is Carolina Red Flake with Creek. This year's small batch release of the Carolina Red Flake series from Cornell and Deal. Um, from the tin, it says, We created Carolina Red Flake as a tribute to the Old Belt, to the traditional harvesting and processing of Carolina tobacco straight from Carolina soil. Building on the tradition, Carolina Red Flake with Perique elevates equal measure of stoved and unstoved single-farm North Carolina red-orange Virginia tips from 2020 with a generous portion of genuine St. James Perique. The resulting flavor balances pepper and spice 
with undertones of port wine, stone fruit, and citrus. <laughs> it is deep, rich, and complex. It's how a Virginia Perique flake should be. We'll tell you whether or not we think that's correct, and we'll tell you whether or not uh, it goes well with any of this stuff from the uh, uh, 603 Brewery here. Now, um, what are we drinking with this first? Is this another Mitz? It is. It is. And this is the Mitz what? Bourbon barrel aged. This is the bourbon barrel aged Mitz. So this is the same liquid. Okay. But it's just an aged in a the different barrel. Yeah. And these bourbon barrels are from Flag Hill Genius. Distillery in Lee, New Hampshire. Okay. Lee. Colleen mm. or Lee? Lee. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, take a little... Take a little whiff. Oh, nice bourbon nose. nose. Mm. Yeah, there is. You can you can taste the bourbon on the nose or smell it. What, you mean you can taste it on the you nose? Can taste well, it. You can taste it. You're drinking it if you put it in your nose. I love the taste of my nose. If you smell it hard enough, you can taste it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, mm. oh. you're right. <laughs> oh, this is really rich. Mmm. So it's pretty interesting Whoa. to think this is kind of that same base liquid, but it just sat in a whole different yes. type of barrel for yep. a year. Well, this is really educating us, too, on the difference the barrel makes. Mm-hmm. If it's the same the same thing put into a different barrel. Mm-hmm. You know, so often, you know, with cigars, you know, you can change, you can change uh, the whole flavor of the cigar just by changing the wrapper on it. You know, and um, this just goes to show you you can do the same thing with the beer. Um, changing the final wrapping that the beer is uh, aged in. I gotta say, so I've always enjoyed cigars, but I, I I was kind of it was kind of you know it was tough to go into a place when you don't know what you're talking about mm-hmm. and a little intimidating to to figure it out. After working with Six O Three, I knew Dan was into cigars. So he's kind of coached me along, and then hanging out at your place a lot, I've, I've learned a lot more. But one of my initial attractions to cigars was very similar to the attraction I had to beer was different flavor uh, profiles that you get just mm-hmm. by changing an ingredient. Mm-hmm. It's like you and, and different ingredients based on the application can change. Right. It's if you like, I, I'd assume, you know, again, I'm still very novice, but getting into it, but it's, you can use a filler, but the wrapper is going to, is going to, is going to make the, you know, the yeah, change. the wrappers, the wrappers, where you get yeah. most of the taste from. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the, um, the binder also adds to that, but the binders, really main purpose is to control the combustion of the cigar mm-hmm. and then the fillers are really kind of the they determine the strength of the cigar and they are kind of like the condiments you know the finishing touches and the rounding out of what you get with the wrapper the thing that i find kind of interesting too is how like just like the barrels the difference with this drink but then like cigars like you, you think the wrapper is like such a small portion of like the overall product mm-hmm. And the wrapper makes that big difference and like it kind of goes to the same here because the barrel you would think isn't you know being a novice isn't a big deal but it changes the entire like profile i mean there's some you know kind of like the wrapper of the beer but it to me like again i don't really know anything about this product like what the tasting notes are supposed to be but i I actually am getting (laughs) but i get baker spice well (laughs) on the finish i can piece out kind of like a stone fruit type flavor to it and then that kind of goes right into the pipe tobacco where you get stone fruit. It's kind of intensifying that note to me. So I don't know if anyone else is getting stone fruit from the drink, but to me, I'm getting a huge mm-hmm. complimentary pairing out of it. Yeah, I can agree with that, Pat. Yep. 
So what are the, Doug, what's, what's the difference you get between the bourbon barrel and the, what was the barrel we had before? We had a rye whiskey. Rye whiskey. Rye whiskey. What's the, what's the difference that that makes to you? Uh, so when we were trying the rye, I got a lot of uh, dried fruit, especially cherry off of it. Yeah. Um, a little bit more of a smooth chocolate, where this one I get a little bit more of a baker's chocolate. Um, yes. Definitely some molasses. But I also get a little bit of fruit leather and tobacco as well, too. Mm. That might be from all the smoke going on. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 trying to description for tobacco on this one. <laughs> Paul, what do you think of the pairing oh, here? Oh, man. I'll tell you, with, with the pipe tobacco, this, but first of all, this is, I love bourbon barrel aged stouts. I mean, it, the rye was phenomenal. This is phenomenal. Um, this one, I'm picking up a lot of earthy, oaky, and a lot of oak uh, with a nice sweet spice. So I think the, uh, it, again, another really, really good pairing. I think it's, normally with the, with the Carolina with Perigue, you get a lot of that stone fruit mm -hmm. with a nice little spice, but I think with the bourbon barrel age mitts, it's picking up a lot more of that earthy, oaky flavors. Yes. And the oak, for me, is more pronounced than anything else. I think it's phenomenal. What do you think, Dan? I'm getting a lot more uh, lot more spice than fruit. Mm. You know, I got those darker fruits, definitely, on the first one. Um, a lot more spice coming out uh, of the beer on this one. And I got to tell you, so... PJ and I are, are we're fairly new. You got us into uh, yes, the pipe yes, club yes. recently, <laughs> and uh, you know I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of these pipe tobaccos mm. uh, in the way they pair. Uh, they're just they're so flavorful, mm. you know. Uh, and this is this is delicious. Yeah, this is something that Cornell and Deal does once a year. Yes. Um, late fall, they come out with either a straight Carolina Red Flake mm -hmm. or a Carolina Red Flake with Perique, which they've done the last two years. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, they're basically kind of showcasing the best of, of Carolina red Virginia's, uh, Perique is a special kind of tobacco. It starts off as kind of like a burly, um, and it's pressed in bourbon barrels under tons and tons of pressure. No way. For okay. nine months. Yeah, I think it was like 40 yeah. tons. Yeah. It's like 40 tons of pressure. And every three months, the leaves are taken out. They're. They're allowed to breathe a little bit, and then they're all flipped around, put back into the barrel, and pressed again under, again, like 40 tons of pressure. Wow. And it just produces this very figgy, raisiny, peppery kind of tobacco. So it's like a condiment kind of tobacco, but some people just can't get enough of it. I feel, so, I feel like I'm getting a vanilla, a little bit of vanilla and a caramel in there, too. Mm -hmm. that, can, that can come from the... And that, one of the interesting things, just like cigars, you know, when you put this together and that together, you get flavors that neither had on their own. You know, it, it brings out different stuff. So you, you kind of get that sweet, fruity, woody, um, sweet hay kind mm -hmm. of flavors from the Virginias. And yet the Perique then turns around and all of a sudden you're like figs, raisins, a black grape kind of sweetness to it, you know, and and some kind of, you know, like a what I describe as a raisiny kind of spice, especially in the retro, um, which I think goes fantastic with this. So are tobaccos that are typically grown in the United States more geared towards pipe tobacco? Um, not necessarily. Like, uh, you know, Connecticut obviously is from Connecticut. Yeah, the leaf. Yeah, I get broadleaf, Pennsylvania broadleaf. The interesting thing about pipe tobacco is that it's literally grown all over the world. 
whereas cigar tobacco, generally speaking, is from one particular region mm-hmm. of the tropics. The world, yeah. You know, down in the tropics. So, you know, there's, there's, and we all know, you know, the, the weather, the soil content, how the, how the plant is cultivated, you know, cared for as it's growing, all that will affect the taste of the tobacco, just like it would, you know, the barleys and the, and the, and the things that you put in the beer. But since they're all in that same general region, you kind of have this kind of a, you know, a lane, lane so yeah. in which flavors partake. Because pipe tobacco can be grown down there, it can be grown uh, in the United States and the Carolinas, it can come from Connecticut, it can come from Kentucky, it can come from uh, Zimbabwe, it can come from Greece, it can come from, you know, all, literally all over the the world a different kind of climates you get a whole different range of tastes and flavors and then those tobaccos are processed differently cared for differently they have different sized leaves and all that is going to affect the flavor profile so whereas cigars are kind of somewhere in here pipe tobacco is like all of this and i'm not talking you know dumping maple or you know cherry toppings on top of it i'm talking just the natural tobaccos themselves have a much wider um, array of flavors and things. And so it's it's just a whole different world. And one of the things I love about pipe tobacco is that, um, you know, when you smoke a cigar like this, which was excellent, we never actually said what our final thoughts were on the, on the, on the Perdomo itself. It was, it was ex- a fantastic it, it, it cigar. Was, it was excellent. Yeah. It was it was a fantastic cigar, and <laughs> we knew it was excellent. That's why <laughs> excellent. we. It's it's like when you when you're going to be trying different things, you want to do it with a cigar you're familiar with that you know is good that you're going to enjoy. This was fantastic, and when you have a something like a, a great Perdomo here, you're smoking somebody's finished piece of art. You know, mm-hmm. three hundred hands have touched the cigar, it's wild. and you know you cut it, you light it, and you enjoy what other people have done. With pipe tobacco, all that is in play, but then you take it out of the tin and you decide how you want to prepare it. Do you want to let it dry out a little bit? Do you want to break it up? Do you want to, if it's a flake like this was, do you want to just put the flakes in there whole or do you want to rub that back out? Do you want to put it into a bigger bowl or a smaller bowl or yep. a concave bowl? And or a shallow bowl or a, or a deep bowl, all of that geometry is going to affect the tobacco. And so after that, your hands have been just as involved in the process too. It becomes just as much your work as it is theirs. Yeah, one of my one of the things I love doing is like when I get a new tobacco that I like, I'll go through all of my pipes and smoke it, uh, and find out which pipe smokes it the best. So you're saying I need more pipes now. See, Dan? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. See, Dan? Yeah, we got to invest. we got to keep going. we got to invest in more pipes. Yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately for you, PJ, <laughs> <laughs> next month, mm-hmm. uh, December 11th at Twins in Londonderry, we're having our third annual Savinelli Pipe Christmas show. Let's go. And yep. they, um, the guys, um, actually the same company who makes this tobacco also is the, the distributor for Savinelli Pipes. And uh, Kaz Walters, the Eastern United States rep, is going to be coming up from South Carolina with about 100 different pipes wow. uh, from Savinelli. And there's also going to be Savinelli um, uh, accessories, some uh, um, 
Karibi lighters, which will be, uh, which are great pipe lighters and cigar lighters too, if you enjoy a soft flame light. Mm -hmm. um, those are all going to be available uh, on the 11th from noon to 4 p.m., and it's all going to be 20% off. Oh wow! That day off of retail, so it's going to be an awesome. It's it's one of our best shows of the year, pipe wise. Yeah, I think you can expect to see us yep. at that. <laughs> <laughs> Bring Mark some the calendar. Beers. <laughs> oh, bring some mitts, right? Hey, yeah, that's yeah, we'll right. So, speaking, speaking of that, Kurt says, uh, "Yeah, do you guys want to drink beer and smoke cigars with the 603 guys?" And he says, uh, "603, 724." <laughs> <laughs> Those numbers seem to work yeah, together yeah. pretty damn well. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what was interesting as you were talking about, you know, the um, the pipe tobaccos mm -hmm. is it reminded me a lot of uh, in the brew world hops. Yeah, yeah, I guess the same thing, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, hops were traditionally, there was just, I don't know, maybe about a dozen strains, and they were kind of grown in Europe, and that's just where they were. Mm -hmm. And over the last couple of decades, um, and we, we grew those same varieties, actually, in New England. Uh, New England was, uh, New Hampshire was a pretty major hop producer pre-Prohibition. Once Prohibition hit, it really just wiped out hops in the United States um, because there just, you know, there was no more market for it. But... Now, since beer has really come into a renaissance, really all over the world, um, they're growing hops all over the world. Mm -hmm. And guys like Doug are enjoying the hell out of it because when you get hops that are not now like the Pacific Northwest hops that we get from the U United States, those are the ones they're making all those New England IPAs out of. Yeah. So you get all those yeah. big tropical fruit flavors, which you never got from the old traditional stuff over in Europe. And now they're starting to grow them in Australia, New Zealand, and now you're getting you know more lime forward hops. And so the that different you know those different growing environments and the different terroir that those yeah. hops grow in, yep. they're producing different flavor profiles, and it's just giving uh, it's putting a lot of you know, bullets in the in the it's gun that this guy it's has. It's a whole different thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's, just, just, it's, it's an arsenal of all different flavor profiles that we mm -hmm. can work with now. So I, I think that's what's really getting me into the whole mm. pipe and pipe tobacco and really seeing how they can, you know, blend and use these different techniques and yeah. growing areas to create different flavors. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what do you think about, Dan, about the pairing here? Again, delicious. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. <laughs> the cop-out descriptor. My beer. Board. It's awesome. It goes fantastic with this. It goes fantastic with everything. No, it's uh, yeah. It, like I said, I get a, I get a, I get some of that like a little bit of fruity leather out of there. I definitely got some grassy notes. Um, yeah, just enjoying the hell out of it. What about you, PJ? What do you think? Uh, so far, I'm still trying to figure this out a little bit. There's a flavor yeah. I can't put my finger on yet, mm -hmm. but I think you know. Obviously, there's a little fruit, little grass, but I, I, I'm, I'm having trouble. There's, I always think to the when I went through, you know, Cicerone trainings, what they call it, like small right. A for beer, right? Um, and they tell you think the first thing that you, you know, could be very juvenile, like it's, mm -hmm. it tastes like bubblelicious bubble tape. Just say that. And there's something in here I just can't put my finger on yet, but super. Wait, I'm getting a lot of molasses. Yeah, that's sweet from the tobacco or from the the from the pairing together. From the pairing yeah, together. Yeah. Do you guys mm. retrohale your uh, your pipe tobacco? What is it? Do you retrohale your? Pipe I, you know, I, I again just starting to smoke the pipes. Yeah, just yeah. getting into that. What's the blown out? You go through the, go through your nose. Yeah. No, I was try I was trying a little bit. I saw you doing it over there. I was like, yeah. Am I missing something? Yeah, because you, you get a lot of your spice from retrohaling. Okay, but, but, try that. But with the okay. pairing, the pairing is making the spice sweeter. 
Mm-hmm. So it, yep. it's 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 bringing out a lot more of that sweet tones in the retrohale. So if you're retrohale, you're allowing the smoke to come through your, your nasal passages. You pick up a lot of your spice and, and certain other flavors. But with this uh, bourbon barrel-aged mitt, this, the spice is sweetened tremendously. Yeah, you get, it, you get the molasses. I must yeah. get like a little cinnamon on there yes. doing it. Yes, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. I got to take Dan's class on how to keep my pipe lit. <laughs> well, it's, it's all in the pack. That's what you said. Yeah, I know. That's what you said. <laughs> We're just going to hang out with Dan and run out of pack pipes. But, you know, I, I put too much flame yeah. to mine already. Yeah. It, is that the art form with, with pipes? Is is the pack? Once, mm-hmm. once you get that down, it's it's a whole lot more enjoyable. You know, and, and, and unfortunately... You know, and that's what's great about a cigar. You cut it, you light it. As long as you can draw through it, yeah. you, it's going to be good. A pipe is a little bit more involved. It's a standard. It, it's, you just got to like, stop grinding the gears, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. That's, what it's, it is. that's how I've described it is the mm-hmm. difference between an automatic and a standard. is, is you know, yeah, Way more can, control over standard, though. Yeah. You know, you can, you can have a lot more control over it, but you do, have to, you do have to figure it out. And unfortunately, or fortunately... You know, that's part of the journey with this is figuring it out, taking the time. And if you're impatient or you don't have, you know, you, the the patience to learn it, you know, you know, if you're if you're like Kelly, you're like, screw it, I have a feral pig, I'll just like that. <laughs> <laughs> then that's what you do. And you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. But you, you have to be willing to, to, to get over that hump. Yeah. Now I can I can light up. I live, you know, here we are in Hookset. I live in um, Haverhill, uh, Haverhill, Haverhill, New Hampshire, in, in Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Massachusetts, Massachusetts. Yeah, and, and it's about it's about forty five minutes from here. Hmm. If I take the time, and again, I, I say, if I take the time and pack it right, and I light it right, I can drive home and not have to relight. That's the awesome. Whole way. So it is possible. I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. But you know if. if but that you know, I've been smoking a pipe for a, you know a long time. It doesn't take twenty years to figure it out, but you have to smoke your pipe more than like once every three or four weeks yeah. if you really want to figure it out. Daily with a cup of coffee. I, I've yeah. really enjoyed smoking the uh, yeah a pipe with a cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's like that. Oh, yeah, you said you're a coffee it. pairing yeah. guy, but like that's why I've really enjoyed you know pipes these last couple of weeks. You know that I've I've been pretty dedicated to them. Coffee, um, coffee goes so well with cigars and pipes. Yeah, just in general, mm-hmm. it's 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 probably what the the, the yeah it's, it's the, the, well, the, the acidic base yeah, scientifically the, for your palate's just a really nice like natural pairing with yeah, the cigar. Yeah, it really is. It's universal. So I have a question for you three is <gasps> kind of gearing back to the to beer industry for a moment yeah <laughs> so in the last five or six years you've seen a lot of beer larger beer companies either partnering up with other beer companies getting bought out getting you know like for example dogfish head and sam adams um you've seen uh other other beer companies either uh either partnering up with capital investment firms or other larger breweries because they're i guess in a sense you're kind of kind of fearful of what might come where do you think or, the beer industry? Or they think money. Yeah, right. Yeah, true. <laughs> or the reach. Where do you think the beer industry is going? Where do you think? Do you uh, think it's it's still growing? Do you think it's it's it's, it's yeah? It's, 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 it depends on the on the on the brewery and and the area. Or do you think you know we're, we're heading for a, we're heading for a bubble burst? The, the market's well, pretty different, right? So when we started, just about ten years ago, there were less than ten operating breweries. 
in the state of New York. <laughs> there's like ten thousand. No, now there. I believe there's. We got to right be. Over we we got to be over hundred now. So if not, it, right it's one of the hot spots in the country. Right? Oh yeah, and they're all totally. and they're all over the place. And and frankly, honestly, uh, I love it. Like the more the better, because it just it uh, the level of competition out there amongst the smaller guys, mm-hmm. it just really elevates everyone's game. That mm-hmm. being said, it's still a David versus Goliath type situation yeah. out there. Um, where even you put all the craft together, we still make up such a minuscule amount of the market compared to what the big, you know, two so, or three, four companies. So craft, that, craft overall is about 17 to 20% of beer sales in the country. So if you think about domestics, uh, there's, it's, it's segregated into different, in different categories. You have your domestics, you have your imports. You have your craft. Now you have your FMB, which is a flavored malt beverage. Your Trulies and White Claws, or your seltzers, like we we produce. And then you have your uh, they call them RTDs or ready to drinks. So if you take all <laughs> ready these, to drinks, which is yeah, which is <laughs> like your uh, Heineken, your vodka soda, your cocktails uh, in a can. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you if you take that and craft beer is about seventeen to twenty percent of overall of that of the entire market. Used to be, uh, about a year ago it was twenty three percent. So uh, FMBs and RTDs, so seltzers and ready-to-drink cocktails, have taken a little chunk out of uh, out of craft. But so is it's also taken craft took a big chunk out of domestic. Yes. If you think about it over the long term, and I think part of the reason these brewers get bought out is it's it's a way to collaborate with a with a business that has a bigger reach than you do. Sure, the money part is you know is it's it's nice to look at and it's favorable for a lot of reasons, but it's also you know we're a small brewery. If, you know. If, there's if you know whoever constellation you know one or boston beer or something like that they all have their strengths and you i've seen a lot of even craft breweries do uh shared sales support like you have your 21st amendment brooklyn brewery and uh there's another one that's looped in with them uh they've kind of combined forces they've kind of absorbed each other and now they're you know they've have shared production staff shared sales staff so it's a way for them to be a little bit more nimble while while still impacting the market now, instead of one rep selling one beer or one brand, that one, all those reps now sell three brands. Well, another neat thing that's pretty unique, I think, to this kind of local beer industry is, um, you know, like Dan was saying, this is kind of a little hub here in southern New Hampshire where, you know, within a five-mile radius of our brewery, there's probably 20 breweries. There's, and um, one, it's great for people to do some brewery hopping on the weekend, especially they come up, they do a little local beer twirl. But the because we still know essentially it's a David versus Goliath, even though we may be competing with the guy down the street with us on the store shelf, we still help each other out on a regular basis. Yeah. Guys that we compete with directly on the store shelf, we share hops, we share grains, we share ingredients. Hey, I ran out of this. Can I get something real quick? Yeah, no problem. We are going to other breweries, and other brewers are coming to us on a regular basis, not just materials, but knowledge shares and uh it's it's the craziest little industry where we know we're kind of in competition with each other but we, we know that we're, we're fighting we're, we know we're fighting a much bigger you know there's a much bigger hill we all have to climb together um so there's there's a lot of camaraderie about really helping yeah. each other out and elevating like each the cigar other business. i was gonna say that, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know one of the great things about the the cigar business is, is you know we see reps come in and um you know, when, you know, somebody will come in and be talking to Sean, our buyer, and another cigar rep will come in, and it's not like, hey, dude, you're eating into my time. It's, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. And, and the, the talk, it's, it's 
it, there is this real family kind of atmosphere to it. And yeah, there's just competition going on. And yeah, you're wanting to make your numbers, but cigar sales are good for the, for everybody. It's yeah. like if the, that one company that's reps waiting for the time, as long as people are into that industry and into the, into that, into, into cigars, it's good for everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Right. And so that's what I'm hearing you guys say is that, yeah, there's the competition there, but it's, it's, it's more this, you know, we're all kind of in it together. Yeah, we're elevating and, each other together. Yeah. And one of the things that I really appreciate about Doug joining our team uh, within the past year is is, is desire to collaborate. Mm. And even today, today's a great example. Today we had another uh, local brewery uh, from the area that came in and brewed a beer with us. And tomorrow Doug and another one of our brewers are going to their facility and brewing a beer with them. And we're going to do a dual release. So they release That's their really version cool. of the beer brewed at their brewery uh, to their consumers. We will uh, brew the batch that that we have and we'll release that to our consumers and then we get to have a fun event to release it the night before so that's nice the day that's, before the beers awesome. are available in, yeah. in both of our respective breweries we'll do a, an event at a, at a local establishment a bar and kind of all of our teams will go on their team will come on our team will go on and we'll just kind of all hang out and it's a good time for doug and our production team to kind of bounce things off them and collaborate with them and design a recipe and, and likewise so yeah and they're doing that with cigars too you got fuente yeah. and padron you know? Yep. Yep. Oh, really? They're so they're they're doing like a collab, yep. essentially. They've done a collaboration. Yes. Oh, very cool. Yeah. It's great with the whole nature of the beer industry too. You think it's supposed to be competitive, but we are very collaborative. Dan mentioned earlier we share hops, grains. Others, someone's having a problem, like, hey, I'm having an issue with this beer. What do I do? And we just kind of put our heads together and try to figure it out. That's and awesome. PJ mentioning That's just awesome. earlier today we were doing a uh, collaboration with. Able Ebenezer out of uh, Merrimack, and then tomorrow I'm going to go to their place and brew a beer with them. You guys might be into it. It's a uh, smoked peach sour. Mm -hmm. So we're trying different smoked malt. Uh, we are using maple. We used maple smoked malt in ours. They're using applewood smoked in theirs, mm -hmm. and just something that might pair really nicely with a cigar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That sounds very very good. Sounds like another episode. That's <laughs> <laughs> not just going through. <laughs> oh my gosh! Now here's something we could we could talk about too. How did how did COVID affect your business? And oh, yeah. you know, so when when the whole shutdown when the whole shutdown thing was happening, you know. You know, More a couple of weeks, yeah. <laughs> we all thought we were going to, and then, you know, it turned out we could, we could stay open and we could, um, you know, do, you know, sidewalk delivery and, and curbside delivery and stuff like that. And then it, one thing led to another. And by the end of it, we had a record year. That's why. And, you know, I know that the, the liquor business in general, especially here in New Hampshire, <laughs> has been doing Stella through this whole thing you know there's some things that have just kept going through this was that your experience was it different i know you've got both ends well, of things you've got the stores that's and you've got you know you're obviously your beer yeah hall the, it was it was the, the beer hall side i it was so tough on that crew yeah um because you know first we had to shut down and then we open up with this set of restrictions and then another set of restrictions i mean they were we were literally writing 
business plan, like a different model and a different business plan every two weeks, and then yeah. trying to get the staff to, and, you know, you, yeah. I, you can't... The CDC flip-flopping. It was unbelievable. You can't say yep. enough about the staff and the managers and just the crew and their willingness to try to adapt and try to figure out how to make... Okay, now we're going to be six feet apart for each other? Okay, yeah. Okay, now we need plexiglass? All right, yeah, that's going to do something. Let's do plexiglass. You know, it was bananas and that was very difficult yeah, sure. on the production side of things um so we were we were more towards about 60 percent of what we produced went out the door in draft and about 40 percent went out the door in package in cans and it's frankly pretty darn easy to put beer into a keg you know that doesn't that doesn't take a lot of labor it doesn't take a lot of work to put beer into a can takes a lot more work it takes a lot more equipment um and what happened is basically overnight draft shut down because there were no bars or restaurants operating mm -hmm. so all of a sudden all those kegs we just had towers and towers of empty kegs but now we had to swap the entire production over to almost exclusively canned beer mm -hmm. which quadrupled the labor demand so and just took the margin and shrunk it down to absolutely nothing so we had to uh we had to buckle down and just produce a ridiculous amount of canned beer because yes people were buying it like crazy yeah. because they couldn't go out to drink right and they were home with their kids and, people their family, and, and they wanted they're not to stop and drink they're not so stopping, they weren't stopping smoking either no yeah no Ooh. so i mean Working there were yeah there were pretty huge pretty huge beer sales mm -hmm. no, I, I will say we started to hit a wall around this time during covid mm -hmm. and it was interesting because you it felt like it had gone on so long that people started ditching beer and started going to spirits <laughs> <laughs> they were really just amping up the uh yeah. they were really just amping up the ante there <laughs> I need so, at least thirty percent alcohol. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was amazingly exhausting, especially talking to my buddies who were in, we'll say, fields of work where they were just laid off and they were home. We were still going to work every day, you know, and we were just running ourselves ragged. So it was not easy, um, <laughs> but we managed to uh, we managed to pull our way through it, and we're starting to see that rebound, rebound, uh, rebound, 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 yeah. Of a craft beer show. We still got two more beers now. Yeah, yeah, we still got one more. One more. One more. We could have one more. One more. Well, let's let's have the one more. We can do it. This is a good time for the one more. One more. At least it's a good time for me to have the one more. You guys enjoying the the Carolina Red Flake and Pre? This is great. So this is this is a once a year output for these guys. And this is the rum. This is the, so not only rum, not only rum, so not only rum. Uh, but wait, there's more. After it was aged in rum, we pulled the beer out. Then we uh, actually aged it on coconut, cocoa nibs, and vanilla. So there's some adjuncts going on uh, that aren't just unique to the to the barrel itself. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, not, not only just so we got fresh coconut flakes, and then Doug roasted them in the ovens at the brewery, and then we got fresh ro fresh roasted coffee from uh, Flight Coffee. In Bedford, New Hampshire, and uh, oh. and cocoa nibs. I can't wait for this. Oh, and the beer was after it aged in rum barrels. It uh, it aged on all of that. Oh, okay. Ooh, thank you. Wow, look at busy. Here we go. Mm. Here we go. See this? Oh, that smells good. Service. Mm. It's fruity. Oh shit! Yeah. No, I'll take nice. yours, Dad. Yeah. Oh no, that's completely different. Mm. Yep. Oh wow. 
Now I noticed something. The head did not last very long. No. Doug, go ahead and explain yeah. what that is. So when using fresh ingredients, it's kind of tough to keep some of it out there. Uh, so there was over five pounds per barrel of fresh toasted coconut. I uh, got the fresh coconut. I was in the kitchen uh, a couple weeks ago toasting it up. Once you add it to the beer, uh, to the beer it's going to extract coconut oil. So you get a little bit of that coconut oil that's going to be kind of on there, kind of killing a little bit of the head, but kind of adds to the mouthfeel, the flavor. It does have a much different mouthfeel. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Paul, what do you think? Preparing here. Well, I have to relight my friend, so... All right, go to Pat. Pat, what do you think? <laughs> Pat's relighting. Yeah, Pat's relighting. <laughs> Dave, what do Everyone's you think? Everyone's relighting. Mm. Um, I got nothing. You got nothing. I got nothing too. I'm still processing. Mm. It's really good. It's really rich. <laughs> it's, yeah. the, this one is particularly sweet. Mm -hmm. It's sweeter than the others. Um, I think it's also a little bit smoother than the others. As mm -hmm. well. Oh yeah. And um, I think that you know is bringing out some of the richness in the in the pipe tobacco here um i'm definitely uh, those fig notes those black that black grape sweetness that i was talking about i think this particular uh iteration of the mitts is bringing out more of that in the tobacco would you all agree yeah yeah it's bringing out a sweet toasted nut flavor to me the uh, and the tobacco sweet, that's toasted sweet nuts. sweet toasted nut sweet yeah. nuts sweet nuts not sweet nuts <laughs> sweet toasted nuts sweet toasted get sweet, that on the soundboard sweet, sweet toasted nuts <laughs> <laughs> one more time paul sweet toasted nuts thank you mm -hmm. i just want to lick that yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, a little bit of molasses good. there. Doug needs a headset. That's what <laughs> <laughs> Doug needs an old soundbite. Oh, my goodness. Oh. So, let's go back here. Um, why do you think, you know, when, when you think about pairing a drink with a cigar or a pipe tobacco, mm. almost everybody defaults to a spirit. You know, you know, and maybe it's because we're at a bourbon bar. Maybe, maybe that's maybe it's it's just the location that I'm at. But we think bourbon, we think scotch, we think something along that lines. Typically, people don't think beer. Why should they maybe think about that? I think there's it's a lot of common <laughs> notes, and it's it's very stylistically dependent. But in your IPAs, again, you have some cigars that are going to give you those fruit notes. So you can complement them with other fruit notes that you're going to get maybe from the hops of an IPA, or you're going to get those leathery tobacco or sweet notes that you could complement with a, you know, a nice stout with some, you know, with those roasty coffee notes as well. So I think it just depends on finding the right application and the in the right pairing. But not only that, you can just drink more. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, mm. you're not drinking an 80 proof. You know, <laughs> sure. so you can you can sit there and enjoy the pairing a little more directly because you can, you know, do a puff, do a sip, do a puff, do a sip, and you can really, right. you know, really experience those together. You don't have anything to say about that because you don't smoke. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm just not breaking bad. People like to think of it like help with food. People think that you usually just want to pair uh, food with wine, but beer can be so complex and have so many different flavors to it. Mm. It can bring a lot to the table, whether you're pairing it with one of your favorite dishes or pairing it with a cigar. Um, or actually pairing it with your favorite whiskey. Mm. You can pair beer with so many different things. Uh, there are so many different styles. Dan touched upon it earlier. There is a beer for everyone. Just when someone says they don't like beer, I think that it's that a challenge to show them the right <laughs> beer for them. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. That's... Now that you guys have had some time to relight your cigar, do you, I mean, your pipe, <laughs> do you think maybe you could talk about the uh, pairing here? Yeah, I concur with what Paul said. It has, like, this nice, like, sweet nut flavor coming out of it, and it's, um... Yes? I think it's enhancing the body of it, too. I mean, this is a pretty, like... From what I've had, it's probably on the upper half of body pipe tobaccos I've had. It's very smoky. It has a lot of like nice spice to it, nice um, stone fruit sweetness, and the drinks definitely complementing that. And then it's enhancing the finish with like that nice, sweet, nutty. The spice is still kind of lingering through, but it's a little bit muted. And yeah, it's I think it's really going well. So. Paul. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Just I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. Noises. I'm just gonna reiterate the sweet toasted nuts, man. That's what I'm getting out of this tobacco. Toasted sweet toasted nuts. Sweet toasted nuts. Yeah, <laughs> How do you think yeah. it's going with the uh, drink? No, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. The drink is bringing out the sweet the toasted nuts. The drink is bring, yep. bringing out the sweet sweet toasted, toasted nuts. nuts. Yes. Do you normally get? Sweet toasted nuts. I do not, my friend. That's what I'm saying. The rum barreled age is actually bringing that out. I usually get more of that. It's adding nuts. It's adding a little bit more. Sweet, sweet toasted nuts. Sweet toasted nuts. nuts. Yes. Mm -hmm. Am I the only one who's. No, I love sweet nuts. nuts. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, we're, we're all about the sweet nuts. Sweet nuts, people. Sweet toasty nuts. It was very municipal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness uh, where do you see the micro brew boom kind of going from here uh, ah, um hyper local probably right that's what doug, what was, yeah. doug was making a note, uh, note of i'm gonna before. say more hyper local they, everybody wants to have their neighborhood brewery mm -hmm. um you want something that's close to you that you can connect with and enjoy but I also see, even though it's the opposite of what we've been drinking tonight, people are going to go more towards uh, sessionable beers, easy drinking, something crushable. They can just have a bunch of. I think easy drinking something crushable. <laughs> yes, yeah. well, I think that's what, awesome. I think, <laughs> I think that the backstory to what he's saying is that people's taste buds have just been nailed with style after style after style with the IPAs, the pastry stouts, mm -hmm. everything that's going on. You almost just look for that. Oh, just this is beer flavored beer, man, and I I enjoy it. It's kind of like what brought you to the dance. Like what made you first attracted to beer is just 
think about like the first beer that got you into beer and that you're you know yeah. what you used to drink 10 15 years ago and i think that there's going to be an aspect of that that people will start to gravitate back towards beer is cyclical you know what we see today you know is although we're trying stylistically different things than people haven't done before i think that it's going to come back around to not necessarily and it, you you see a little evidence of that with the everybody with the craft with craft brews and the craft loggers things like that where you know internally we're just like oh i just just need a beer that i don't have to think about like so so often it's like i pick up a beer and i'm like all right i taste x i taste i taste this i taste you know this this fruity note or if it's an ipa or i taste whatever but i almost just want a beer i don't have to think about and i can just sit back and enjoy and it's again i think part of that is going to come back strong i don't know when but i i still will rest on the fact that it's cyclical and beer you know for the a couple of years ago, uh, spirits passed beer for the first time ever mm. as the most consumed alcoholic beverage. It, <laughs> it had always been beer. But, you know, I think beer will, you know, come back and it's going to be kind of what brought you, what, what brought beer to its roots, you know, and what made people first attracted to beer. I think there's an aspect of that that will be more apparent and, you know, hopefully in the years coming, you know, coming up than it has been in the past five. Well, and I think that uh, just the, prolificness of how many breweries are around people are just getting used to drinking fresher yes beer yeah, yeah. and you know just it's uh it i think it it really helps start to elevate your palate um i know i i really bring it back to cigars it's funny so when i first the first couple times i went to twins it was literally 20 something years ago when it was the little building back in londonderry next to where we basically started the brewery and Kurt was the guy behind the counter, and he'd walk in, and I still remember when he started carrying K-Cups. And that was like a big <laughs> thing. Yeah, the yeah. commercial, too. Yeah, but I, I, I would go in there, and I would buy, um, I would buy Backwoods Honeyberries honey berry cigars. You know, and, and, and so Kurt's like, hey, uh, hey how, often do you, how often do you smoke cigars? And I'm like, uh, you know, just you know, once in a while, not, not, not too often. He's like, you know, if, if you don't do it that often, you might want to try, like, a, a nice cigar. Like, <laughs> the, money, the money you're yeah. spending on these eight honeyberries, you're like, you might want to buy, like, one good one and give it a shot. And, uh, and, that's, and he got me to buy kind of my first one, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow. Like, what was your first cigar? I, I, do you remember? It, um, I believe it was Rocky Patel, Connecticut. Like, my first actual cigar. <laughs> cigar. And I was like, hey, I... I dig this. This is good. And I started smoking the Rocket Patel. I was like, oh, this is nice. And then I transitioned, and then I started finding the My Fathers. Mm-hmm. And I really love that whole My mm-hmm. Father line. Peppercorn. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, uh, yeah. uh, the, what, the Lasantillas? Is that the? Blood the Blood. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, what a cigar that is. Yep. And then uh, from there, the I, just, I just kept going. And, <laughs> and I've really enjoyed... Um, very much like craft beer and reaching out and, and finding the different flavor profiles and different styles. Um, I, I've loved doing the same thing with cigars yeah. over the last, you know, five, six years. And frankly, I'm really looking forward to that. I feel like the pipe tobacco thing for me mm-hmm. now, just getting into it, it, I'm kind of just at the beginning of that journey and I'm about to start exploring all those things. So it, it, it's very similar. And I, you know, in the same thing with spirits <laughs> in the, in the background too, mm-hmm. um, just you know going i was a scotch guy mm-hmm. originally you know because my dad was a scotch drinker so mm-hmm. i started drinking scotch and you know 
single malts. I got up to that, and then I started doing different bourbons and gins and uh, you know tequilas recently, and you know uh, seeing how it, it, you know and and tequilas in, in the different barrels. So I I love just the exploration of uh, of the different flavor profiles, and it, it just it's been phenomenal. And I didn't realize how fortunate we are to, and I'm sorry to anyone who's on the podcast who doesn't have a good cigar bar near them, but how fortunate we are to have such a great cigar bar. We really are. Yes. You know, I I went to go, I was trying to meet up with a buddy down in Boston and have a a cigar. I'm like, I can't find anywhere that's nearly as good as, you know, what I'm used to. The only place down there with Stan is, I, I believe that's still closed, right? I think it's open again, but it open it's again? not like what it used to be. Though. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't find a thing, and I was like, "Wow!" Yeah. I mean, like we, we're really lucky to have this Very place, spoiled. you know, yeah. right, right next to us to uh, and really enjoy that, these different it's, smokes it's, and drinks. Compared to most of what's out there, it's epic. Mm-hmm. It is. Having been to a bunch of different cigar bars, I, I, I've never seen the selection. Yeah, I've, I, <laughs> Kurt will love me for saying this. I've never seen one so clean. Yeah, mm. you know, a lot of places you go into. You're like, oh, when I get home, I'm going to have to take a bath. Yeah. You know, not just to get rid of the smoke, but <laughs> you feel like you've been at Moss Eisley Spaceport, you know. <laughs> but, you know, Kurtz created this great atmosphere where if you're a blue-collar guy or you're, you know, a millionaire, you own your own company, you can be in there and be comfortable and not feel out of place. And you've got this great selection. And these barrel selects that he has, he has nine or ten oh. now of um, different uh, – bourbons and whiskeys and tequilas that you can't get anywhere else yeah. uh, not to mention all the beers 603 is you know also on that list it's it's incredible and you know i it's funny how often i go into another bar or another restaurant that has a, a bar and i look at what they have behind the counter and I go oh wow that's small <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> That's not even all the bourbons we have, yeah, let alone yeah. everything else. Yeah, that, that, that's a lineup. I don't know anyone else who could. Yeah, do I don't know anyone too. else. Who could like just today, them. we had a guy come in and he, he was driving like a you know a Toyota, and then like the next customer in drove a McLaren, you know, and it was, it was it's just awesome. And they're just like, hey, blah blah blah, and they're talking and stuff like that. But would they really talk to each other in any other format? You know? Yeah. Every time you know, every time I'm I'm sitting there at the bar, I meet somebody new and somebody interesting. Um, the, literally, the last two times I've gone, I just swung by there. I was like, I wanted to smoke, I wanted to drink, and I got a conversation with. Um, he was a guy who, you know, he was a, a CEO for a Fortune 500 company who, who was hanging out there. And the next time I was there, it was a guy who was a basketball scouting coach for a D1 team who was up in this area. Too. You know, and it just you never know who you're gonna meet, That's and. Right. Um, Really, it is. It, it's a. It's just a common denominator for people. Mm. Yep. You know, cigars and you know, good cigars and good drinks. It's yeah. a really good common denominator. Together. Yeah, it, it yeah. brings everything. Plus, you're together. the best dressed staff. You know, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a question for. for Thank you, you, Dixon, for you three. <laughs> I have a beer question for you three. We all have in the craft beer world. We all have our gateway beer. Do you remember what your gateway? Yeah, sorry. Gateway <laughs> no beer, beer. Yeah. yeah, was and if so, do you still drink it? Yes, I remember. I don't drink it as much as I I, I, I probably should. My gateway beer is Long Trail Double Bag. Oh, that's Long interesting because Double, Double Bag, yeah. Long Trail IPA was my gateway beer. Long Trail is an OG, and I love I love that company. I love those guys. They're all great people. But that was the beer I remember. It was uh, Long Trail Double Bag. Then quickly right after that, Sam's Winter. So oh, Sam, okay. so Sam Winter Lager, and I remember I was, 
I was you guys are lucky. Seventeen years old. I just got my first. <laughs> I got my first house. I was renting, and my roommates were all twenty one. And then I was like, just picking up a case, or whatever you're drinking on a Friday night. Like I'd send my buddy's uh, girlfriend since I was underage. She'd just pick it up for me. So I'd say, get me whatever you're getting. Everybody else, she get me a case and. Long trail double bag was one of the first cases she got me. I was like, "Give me a case of the, what you got me last time," and, <laughs> and that beer just something about it. Just you know, it just I was like, "Beer doesn't all taste like." I mean, before that, I was drink, I, I used to tour manage bands, so I was drinking like Carlin's Black Label Schlick. Perhaps, I mean, if I could find a six pack for two ninety nine to three ninety nine, that was it. So I was I was spoiled, and I was like, "Oh." Beer doesn't all taste like Carlin's Black Label. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> so, My first beer was freaking Meisterbrow. Meisterbrow. That was back in college. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was like my, you know, we go over. I go over to my friend's house, you know, and and yeah, you know, he took it from his dad or something. You know, we were like 16 or whatever, and that was that was it. And then after that was like Bud and Miller and stuff like that. My first like real love for beer probably came with Sam Adams, you know, because I'd always had like that's all I bought because that's all I knew. But yeah, my, my beer. I'd say my first was Sam Oktoberfest. Yeah, I was like, oh shit. I'm like this. Mm-hmm. This is beer. That's beer, but doesn't taste like beer. You know, you know what they had a while was uh, was um, a blackberry wood beer. That's well, a, that's a long trail. Yeah. Uh, that's another long, long trail. trail right? yep. Yep. Jerry Smore should listen to this. He's gonna love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Doug? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like every other college slash high school person, I grew up on whatever was cheap and easy. So Keystone <laughs> Light. But yep. after that, yeah. Sam October was what made me love beer. Uh, really, like Dan. Yeah. Um, the Oktoberfest Martin style is my favorite love that time of the year it reminds me of fall in new england uh, especially spending 10 years in san diego like coming back seeing the leaves absolutely love it after that what got me into ipas though was alpine's nelson ipa um dan mentioned earlier about how hops growing all throughout the world have different terroir this is with a bunch of new zealand hops so you get a lot of white grapes from it uh you get a sauvignon blanc you get some gooseberries, and it was just like, holy shit. I can't realize, I didn't couldn't understand that a beer could taste like that just from the hops alone. I'm like, there's mm. no fruit in this. This is amazing. I want to make more beers like that. So that's kind of what got me to be a hop head, but classic Sam October, Oktoberfest, all day, every day. San Diego's a pretty big beer community. Isn't mm-hmm. it? Is, that, that what, is that Green Flash? Is Green Flash out that way? Yes, there. Yeah, yeah. I had that many, many years ago. And that, that West kind Coast of, IPA. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, so the so I went from I went Pallet Wrecker. Yeah, exactly. Pallet Wrecker. I went. I went from the Long Trail IPA to the original ale, and then I then a bartender up at a local restaurant introduced me to Green Flash, and the Pallet Wrecker, and I'm like, oh my god, this is really good, and that's what started the ball rolling. And that was my first probably craft. Really, really like when I yeah. really got into craft, probably. Six, six, seven years ago was Green Flash, the same yeah, beer. Yeah. West Coast IPA. I was that was that was it for me. Yep. And then Pallet Record was like, oh my god. And then there was a place in Haverhill called the Tap. Yes. And they yeah, had, yeah, yeah. had leather lips. Yeah. Leather lips. Uh, uh, the Tap had leather lips, which was it was like <laughs> it was like Pallet Record lips, times a hundred. <laughs> it was so bitter and just so resinous but floral at the same time it was yes. like 
Oh man, Th- th- that was that was the day back. You know, those yep. were awesome beers back. Yeah, and I used to be a big Stone fan too. Stone, yeah. Stone, Stone, arrogant bastard. Yes, arrogant that, bastard. That was another beer yep. that just opened my eyes. Like, wow, yep. like yep. this could be an IPA. Like yes. something that had this much malt in it. And Ruination this, you know, too. Wow. Ruination. Yeah. Yep. yep. And and their uh, their overall IPA that their Stone IPA was really really. Not only was it good, it was accessible. Yeah. One of the best accessible IPAs at the time. Yep. And then. Boom. The whole brewery, the brew world just exploded. Now it's funny because I, I still don't, I don't drink Long Trail, and it's not that I don't like it. No, because it's, think about it. You, you had to go. I'm, I'm talking maybe like ten years ago. We would go to like a certain brewery in, in Portsmouth, and we would wait two and a half hours in line for there once a year. You know, Mont the Lesser. Mont the Lesser. Oh, yeah. actually, it was well, it was called it was called Great, which is now Mont the Lesser, and then we would, but. Now, now today, you don't even have to go anywhere. You can just go down to your local package store, your yeah. local brewery, and get the same so experience, many, yeah. if you will, uh, then, and instead of just waiting two and a half hours in line or you know, whatever, you have, whatever you did back then. So it's, There's nothing like waiting in line for beer, though, right? It's, it's, I, I miss it <laughs> no, to a degree, no, but not, not if you don't get it, even at the end of the day. No one misses that. <laughs> That's why I make beer. I never waited in line for beer, but I did wait in line for beer. I used to, but games. not anymore. You don't need to. <laughs> All right, now we're getting we're getting near the end of things. Um, we have more beers. That's after show. Oh, have we gone through all the beers? No, we have. I mean, we, have we have some. We have more hidden gems. We you have do. More oh gems. my god! I, would, I wouldn't call them a pairing beer, though. No. <laughs> it's not a pairing. It's just fun. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll do. The, maybe it'll be an after show. After show. show. Yeah, that, that could the be the after yeah, the, the after show. All right, now, um, Dan, you mentioned that that uh, my father was one of your big gateway things. Yeah. You know, what would you think about coming back and us having Ataro, who's the the New England rep for my father's cigars on the show. You could meet him and we could do something pairing with Oh, I'd absolutely love that. Would you yeah. love that. I'd love that. Yeah. They're still they they uh those are the ones I still buy you know the box yeah i love i love the my fathers and anyone i'm trying to introduce to good cigars i always you know whenever someone i'm bringing to twins who's not really a cigar person but i want to you know give them a shot i always do the my father connecticut yeah that's my go-to for them and i swear that that one works every time well, i want i want to hook the two of you up great so let's let's plan on that after the show let's sit down and, and work out a time for that to happen love i it. think that would be an epic show love it and it's a way for me to have you back. <laughs> Don't tease us with a good time. <laughs> You've been teased. Yeah. You've been teased. And that's not just blowing smoke. <laughs> I really hope we've brought you guys on a really interesting journey, starting with oh coffee cake porter, going to the barley wine, and then swinging over to the different barrel-aged versions of the mitts. Oh, that's um, awesome. yeah, this is going to yeah. have to be like a quarterly show. Hey, we'll, we'll be happy to. You know, oh, Like I yeah. said, we're, we're nice big, seasonal thing, big, big cigar guys and big beer guys. So, uh, Plus, you know, we, we, we love hearing it. You know, yeah, yeah, we love yeah. hearing it. You had a good time, right? It was Absolutely. Good. Was Absolutely. Good. You guys, it, you guys are possible, Is it possible we can do a show in one of the igloos? <laughs> we, we, yeah, yeah, we can. I can totally do that. I will say, you know, and Ted can bring Where did Doug go? Doug's still there. If I can give any show notes, though, I would say, you know, Pat talks way too much. 
And he really, he really dominates the conversation. If he could give us a little airtime, we'd appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> we really have to tone Pat down. Yeah. <laughs> Settle him down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dud too. He's, he's a real guy. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what's our final uh, verdict here on the Carolina Red Flag? Oh, week? Well, and the pairings. Which, which pairing did you like best with it? I, I will start. I will, I'll, of everything we've done tonight, I will do the Carolina Red Flake mm-hmm. with the Bourbon Barrel Mitts. Mm-hmm. I think of all of all the combos, yeah. I think that's been my favorite combo tonight. Are we doing total? Are we doing the total show, or are we just doing? Well, the pipe I want to talk. I want to talk about the pipe tobacco, but you can yeah. talk about what yeah. your favorite. I, I would say that the uh, the Bourbon Barrel Aged Mitts paired the best with the pipe tobacco, <laughs> without a doubt. I would agree. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they're both bourbon I barrel concur. aged, right? Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I concur. Although I do, <laughs> you know, this is a fantastic. The, the rum, <coughs> rum and tobacco, pipe tobacco especially, goes really well. Phenomenal. But uh, yeah. yeah the bourbon, <laughs> the bourbon what do you think there, Dave? No, I think I I concur. I think it. Uh, um, the, the last one we did was the best. <laughs> I Which was what day? That was the wrong. That was the wrong day. I'm too happy. That was the wrong. Remember? I'm glad you're sitting down. I'm not thinking because you drunk I am. Still thinking about that apple pie with the uh, barley yep. wine. Yeah, still, I'm, I'm still thinking about that apple pie, you know. Absolutely. Now, let's all be quiet. Pat, do you have anything so. that you would like to share about your thoughts on the pipe tobacco pairings and what you think about the Carolina Red Flake and Perique, which pairing you enjoyed the most? So, the guard's great. <laughs> the Red Flake was really good. I enjoyed it. It was probably, I would say, my top three pipe tobacco so far, just behind mm-hmm. Mississippi River and then Black Irish X. It, it's just, I don't know what it was about it that kind of struck me because it, it had like a really robust, like, stone fruit note. I enjoyed the spice. And, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, when it comes to me, like, the smoke output from mm-hmm. a pipe is, like, a big thing for me just because I like cigars so much. And this was really smoky. Um, kind of like the bird's eye. We had that one time, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's up there as well. But pairing-wise, I'd say it's mixed between the burly wine and the bourbon mitts. Because mm. I think the bourbon mitts just naturally went really, really well with the pipe tobacco. I would say... That, that was the best complimentary pairing of the night. And then I think the best shocking pairing to me was the um, Burley Wine with the Padermo 10-year. That was a great pairing. That yeah. was a great pairing. Agreed. You guys did a great job picking yeah. stuff out for the cigar. Bravo. Bravo. No, no, no. You did a great job picking out what we were smoking to go with the beer. Yeah. There you go. See? <laughs> You're welcome. We just showed up with beers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've had an awesome show tonight. Oh, Thank God, you for fantastic. being with Thanks, us. Guys, hanging with us. Thank you, guys, for coming out. Thank you. Thanks for having us. time. Yeah. Fantastic. Every Monday, right? Yep. Every, Every Monday. Monday. Every Monday. Every Monday. Next week, uh, we're going to be back at, at, at uh, 8 o'clock, and we're going to be joined by Steve Poirier, oh. longtime friend of the show. He is now the uh, New England rep for McAuliffe Cigars. We're going to be smoking the McAuliffe, Connecticut. And I believe we are going to be doing original release and current release of the Connecticut. Oh, that's going to suck. <laughs> Not... Not. Um, yes, <laughs> as well as Cornell and Deal's uh, holiday blend, mm. We Three Kings. Mm. 
that's going to be a great show. Mm, spice Make cake. sure that you join us for then. Until then, we hope you're safe. Have a great right. Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next Friday. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to Not Just Blowing Smoke, the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and keep in touch with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. Thanks for listening, everybody. And that is Not Just Blowing Smoke. Rolling with the top down, smoking on a fat cigar.